Welcome to the Helihead Show. This is episode number 16. I am your host. Who am I? <laughs> Rekit. Is it Rekit? I'm Rekit. Welcome to the show, everybody. With me, we've got uh, Yard Sale. Yo. And we've got uh, Fence Post. This better be good. I came out of quarantine for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Kyle Stacy. Welcome aboard. What's up, boys? Yeah. He needs a nickname for the episode. Mm. <laughs> cool hands. He's got one. Cool hands. There we go. Yeah. We'll, we'll take it and run with it. That works for me. Well, what you guys been up to among the uh, COVID-19? Not getting sick. Mm. Yep. You staying Fighting home? seniors for toilet paper. <laughs> Scott, are you are you quarantined to home? Uh, no. I, yeah. no? I said Scott. Oh yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I have to go to work, and yeah. they're pretending it's not a thing. So we keep going. <laughs> pretending it doesn't exist. There you go. Yeah, seriously, they're just turning a blank eye, like oh, the gosh. elephant in the room, and everyone just doesn't look that direction. I saw somebody post, I think it was maybe a friend of mine at Boeing, I'm not sure, or maybe it was something he had posted, but this person's company was just like, hey, y'all, just just spread out a little bit. You'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) We literally had a meeting about that today. Just spread out. Five feet apart at all times. I'm like, thanks. Oh, my God. And they're like, you must wash your hands when you get to work. Like, you guys don't normally wash your hands every day? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. The jokes and the memes that have been going around. It's been great. Uh, well. That's for sure. Well, I have been out a couple times. Um, and uh, I went to the lowest place on earth. I went to Walmart. Had to get a couple things. I'm Good not a brief, fan of man. Yeah. How was it? Well, <clears throat> you know, I'm not, I don't really like going to Walmart. But, you know, I, I had to get a few things. And um, normally the wife, she does the shopping at Walmart, you know, she, she doesn't mind, uh, you know, looking at wildlife. I'm not so much into nature like that, but, um, that's just me. Well, that's, that's part of your new routine now. Is it? Yeah. It's part of the gig. We'll get into that later though. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't, usually you go into Walmart to get a gallon of milk. You come out with a bag of hepatitis. You know, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I'm not in there. Holy shit. (laughs) It's not my thing. I'm, I'm snobby. I go to Publix. That's just my deal. I'm a Target guy. Target, You're a target guy? Yeah, Target. Mm. <laughs> <Fancy>. Target. <laughs> yeah. So I I did have to get a couple things, um, but uh, you know, no toilet paper, of course. There, everybody's still out. <laughs> so eh, it is what it is. Whatever. Yeah. I have a working shower. So. Yeah. Mm. I rigged up rigged up my old nitro pump. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Put that baby on success. Nice. Spray yep. yourself down with Clorox. Yep. Can't wait. Talk about it. Talk about a deep clean. Mm. Can't wait till you grab the wrong pump one morning. <laughs> 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 That's cold. Yeah. This heli flies like shit. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Well. Anyway, uh, of course, first things first, we would like to thank everybody for listening to the show. We certainly do appreciate it. And you download, stream, however you guys do it, we certainly do thank you. And um, yeah, so when we get into some weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah? No? Yeah. Right. Let's do it. Do it. Hit it.
Uh, all right, I'll go first. Okay. Sure. Uh, let's see. Two weeks ago, we went out and flew. We had a whole bunch of people at our field. Um, it was actually a really nice turnout. The weather was pretty good. It was like upper 50s, lower 60s, maybe. Nice. Yeah, we had quite a few people there. Uh, had the V1-700N. Uh, tried to do a retirement flight because it's it's getting uh, pretty worn out. Oh, yeah? And I thought, like, I, I've been buying up airframes for a while, and I must have crashed that thing a lot more than what I thought I did because, like, the last time I went to fix it, I'm digging through all my spare parts and stuff, and I'm like, man, all the spare parts that I have for this thing are, like, stuff that you'll never break, like fan shrouds and oh, shit wow. like that. So. so, uh, it's getting harder to find parts for it. Um, and I'm not going to dump a whole bunch of money and converting the head over to the new stuff and all that. So, hmm. uh, retire it and I want it to go out in a bank. So we tried to smash it up and ended up hitting the tail blades on the ground and strip the gears. So now I got to fix it and do a re retirement flight. Right. See if we kill it this time. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can make it like if I don't kill it before the end of the tank, I might do an infinity tail slide. Cause that looked like a lot of fun. Ooh, when Scott now we're talking. <laughs> it yeah. was pretty fun. Yeah. The only thing is I don't want to turn my pipe up. So take it off. Run straight header. Oh, now we <laughs> yeah. straight dump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, had that, uh, had the Oxy four max out there, ended up putting that thing in the ground too. Oh, so you've definitely broke was, your crashing streak. I like yeah, what I'm hearing. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm all in now, apparently. Nice. Yep. It was, uh, it was a Kevin McGrady crash too. Mm, yes. Collective. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Too old for hold. But, yep. Too old for hold. <laughs> yep. It, it actually fared pretty well. Uh, I got the parts to fix it, but I haven't had the time to fix it yet. So it's still sitting there in a mangled up mess. Um, I also got my logo 690 going again. Mm. I forgot how f- good that thing flies, man. That is that is yeah. such a nice flying helicopter. Um, didn't really have to too much on it, and I had a tail wag the last time I flew it. I couldn't get it. it had like a real slow wag, and couldn't figure out uh, what was going on with it. So, I it's part of the reason why I quit flying it. I kind of gave up on it. And this time I took it out, it wasn't wagging, so I don't know what the heck happened, but it's fixed. Right. It's not happy anymore. Yeah. Yep. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So with the retirement of the 700N, uh, means I need to replace it with something. And uh, I'll let Kevin kind of dig into this a little bit further, but we kind of did a little swap you did. So I am officially the 69th owner of the Horex. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, it's it's coming home. So I'll yeah. be putting that thing together, probably pulling all the stuff out of the V1 and putting it in there and beat up on that thing for a while. Um, if it frustrates me too much, maybe I'll try to make my V1 convert it with the parts from the XN. Right. Maybe if I can, I don't know. We'll see. So, well, I can get you another seven hundred that that has not been flown. I mean, probably a good seven years. I mean, it's probably fair mm. to say. I mean, it's just been probably sitting in the guy's garage unless he's given it to someone. But he moved to Florida, stopped flying, 
and I could get you a V1 probably, probably pretty cheap, I would imagine. I don't know, but I could do some digging if you're interested. Mm. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about it right now. Yeah. What's that? I said I'm sitting beside one right now. Are you? Oh, yeah, you want it? <laughs> <laughs> Why, you don't want it? It's not mine, but I know the guy will sell oh, it. Nice. It's cheap. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think you paid 200 bucks for it. That's my favorite helicopter. Yeah. I've had yeah. I've had that thing for probably like five years now. I mean, you can still keep going like Kiss does, man, and just keep coming out of retirement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll talk about it off. Uh, yeah. Offline. Yeah, offline. Um, We had the COVID-19 Invitational this past weekend at our field. <laughs> had a little fun fly where four of us showed up. And we took temperatures of everybody that pulled in. Everybody had to get their temperature taken. And John <laughs> Maselli brought his rectal thermometer out. Mm. Take everybody's temperature. No, I'm just joking. We didn't do that. Uh, he wanted so to, though. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I made a post about a, a COVID event. I said it was like the um, Corona Fun Fly or whatever, and some guy just like came unglued. He was not happy. Nice. Yeah, people aren't taking nicely to that. Yeah, well, they'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I look at it, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I wasn't really feeling it this past weekend. I only did two flights, I think. And packed it up and went home. Mm. Uh, I think the whole crap that's going on kind of brought a, like a, I don't know, had like a kind of a slumpy feel for the whole weekend, really, for everybody that was out there was kind of feeling the same way. So, yeah, the flying didn't last too long. Uh, we kind of just hung out for a while, BS, and uh, packed it up and left. So, um other than that man i gotta work on some stuff and i'd like to try to get some sim time in here pretty soon if i can if i could find time to do it with everything going on so staying busy with other stuff but that's pretty much it for me nice yeah well cool well so covid has uh gotten me to be able to remote so i've been here at home and uh doing a lot of simming actually just kind of you know take little breaks here and there and you know mess around with the sim for a bit and uh so that's been pretty cool i did get out last weekend and uh me and ben we went out there we're the only two and um we kept our you know five foot distance and uh but there was a guy that showed up that we didn't know and i guess like his dad you know flew at our field like I don't know, 40, 30, 40 years ago, something crazy. So this guy was like super young, you know, coming out to this field. So uh, I guess, you know, as it is for most of us, you know, if we have a parent who's in the hobby, you know, typically that means that we're going to end up being in the hobby. <laughs> it's pretty much safe to say. But um, so he was wanting to kind of get back at it and had a bunch of questions. And, uh, you know, we, we were trying to help guide him the best that we could. You know, he, he's not partial. Uh, he definitely was thinking airplane, but he saw us fly the helicopters and, of course, got very interested, you know, very quickly. So he thought that was really cool. But um, I uh, I flew the Drake uh, for four flights. That's all I had was the four packs. And, um, 
it was a good time. I I had a lot of fun. We were um, I was doing some F3N stuff and uh, working on the double Emmelman and the standing eight, and uh, um, it's it's kind of coming together. You know, I mean, it's you know, it's not perfect. It is what it is. But uh, at least trying to put effort into you know starting to work on that. So what's yeah, this? What's a standing eight? Uh, Scott, stand why don't you explain the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the standing eight is when you come in from the right and you're coming from right to left, and at center line, you pull up into like a figure eight. And when you're inverted, then you push forward elevator into the top of the figure eight, spin 180 degrees in the tail rudder, and then follow the other side of the eight tail forwards, and then exit upright, tail to the left. Ah, okay. It's really not, yeah, it's not that bad. It's just, it's I guess the tricky part is once you flip the tail 180 degrees, is keeping it on center line. Mm. Right. Uh, it wants to drift towards you or away from you if you're not. Yeah. It's nice. And they're looking for that stuff. So, you know, and it's funny because I wasn't having as much problem with that as I was that my pirouette, by the time I started pulling down, you know, on elevator, uh, you know, it was kind of around 10 or 11 o'clock. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it kind of, it, it wasn't, it was kind of off center is what I'm getting at, you know? So it's, it's a quick transition. You know, you, you, you go up into that and then invert it and over and like, you got to kick the tail around and then come down pretty quickly to keep it centered, you know? Yeah. And, and you got to um, cross at the same point in both ways. So on the way up, you got to cross at the same place you cross on the way down. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot harder than I thought, but I was working on that and, uh, you know, just trying to at least get a feel for it. Cause I haven't done a whole lot of practice in real life. And, um, but, you know, I, then, of course, I, I think two of the packs was just like goof-off packs where I just kind of beat the snot out of it. And the one pack I ended up doing just like overspeed after after overspeed, just kept doing overspeeds. And uh, and it was making the most nastiest of just snaps, you know, when it would when you'd pull out of it, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and of course, Ben at that point was instead of five feet, he was keeping a 40-foot distance. And... Um, you know. So quick learner. <laughs> He's a quick learner. <laughs> that poor one way. Oh mm. man. Oh, it was over and over and over. I don't care. Whatever. It was it was a good time. I had a fun time. So um but uh I did buy. I bought some X5s. I got three of those. And I'm gonna try out this torque tail servo from Helidirect. They had a little deal going on for um St. Patty's Day, whatever. And uh so it was like 15% off. So it was like 84 bucks shipped. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, let's give it a shot and see what happens with it. You know, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your tail, right? So <laughs> no big deal. You're yeah. faster. That's right. I guess. No big deal. Just keep, keep hard. Just pull it, you know? just cowled all that shit. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, but Mike made a mention that, uh, you know, his hoe wanted to come home. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, hey, I ain't mad at you. Go on, ho. You know, so. And uh, so, yeah, it went back to Mike, or it's about to go back to Mike, where I actually, just so you know, it's almost packed up. Like, I pretty much have it all boxed up, and um, and I just need to get it out in the mail. So, it's just been a really crazy week, but I'm going to try and get that done. So, but uh, just, just hold the Corona. Yeah, right. Well, make sure you lice all the box. That's, uh, oh, that's we heard comforting. about that. Huh? That's comforting. 
Yeah, just Lysol the box. Well, it's not me, right? It's whoever ah, okay. handles the box between me and you, right? I guess, yeah. So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I can Lysol just... for you. No? No? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, whatever. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to come back to you. Of course, in the meantime, he sent me the uh, XL Power 700. And um, so that was why I bought these servos and, and stuff to put into that. So I wouldn't have to tear something else apart to get to servos. And um, because the Drake has the 4525 um, Scorpion in it, um, I'm just going to go big baller and put the freaking Scorpion 4530 in the XL Power 700. What do you think? Do it. That's what I had in it when I had it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Chris got the uh, Scorpion Tribunus 200, uh, you know, to put in there as well. And, uh, and of course, I had the Rotortech 690s from the, uh, the Horex. So, um, <laughs> the Horex. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, you guys. So, so I am now in possession of the Slutty Spectre. <laughs> I was, was going to call it the Sphincter. <laughs> the Sphincter 700. Yeah, the old Spectre slut. Uh, she's come <laughs> to me. and Because uh, that used to be Daniel's, right? Gucci's. Yep. And it went to Mike. Now it's me. So I am in proud ownership of the Spectre slut. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, And Scott, I did not pull the trigger yet, man. But I'm... Oh, man, I'm close. I'm close. Uh, I was going to buy... Uh, one of those uh, gas engines from BH Hansen. Yeah. And uh, I just haven't done it yet, but why not? Bear with. It's coming. It's coming. Don't worry. Come on. But, uh, yeah. Get them while they last. Yep. So I'm going to get that. And um, I have servos for that already as well. So that's a good deal. Um, and what I servos you put in that? Well, I'm, I'm going to use the Futaba 272s from the Horex. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I and follow me here. I mean, of course, you know, Kyle, you used to fly Futaba, but um, I was I was venturing to say that that I have not done any specs reading. Okay, I haven't had time, but I was venturing to th- think that because it's plastic cases, maybe it would be lighter. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> sure, it's not always the case. I know, but it's whatever you want it to be. Right. <laughs> so, but uh, I didn't know if that would matter or not. But anyway, uh, so the five ten is still apart it's still in pieces <laughs> so no building has been done on that i just haven't no had good. time for yeah i just haven't had time for anything man it's been nuts so um that's about it really uh at least i did get out and fly but uh you know just between work and everything going on around here you know it's just been kind of crazy so that's all i got yeah i've been kind of in the same boat with things all getting shaken up and not normal life <clears throat> but uh, I did get out flying. So nice. I flew last Sunday with Eric Shu. It was sort of like a last minute, like three o'clock in the day kind of thing. So that was cool. It was only us at the field too, which was crazy. Usually this place is packed with airplanes. So of course we went to the airplane flight line and just tore it up and just flew there all day. <laughs> nice. So that was cool. Um, we actually got some, you know, those little uh, pegs that you're supposed to grab for the frequency for your radio with the old crystals. Right. This field uses these big red tags. So what we did was we took like six of them and we went and stuck them in the grass and we did orientation hovering over these things because Eric's kind of starting out. So he did everything upright and I did everything inverted pirouetting just so we both had like the same challenge. 
And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, he really enjoyed it. He'd never done anything like that with, you know, holding position, working in orientation. So nice. I think he, he got a lot from that and he liked it. So we're going to go buy some cones, little soccer cones and do the same thing. Very cool. Yeah. Then uh, I flew a gasser. Uh, sorry, I flew the, a gallon through the gasser that day. So tons of flights. Uh, still haven't fixed my Glogo. Um, when I clipped the tail inverted to RCHO. Um, and then the 572, when it yeeted itself into the ground, I didn't fix that yet either. <clears throat> I guess I figured out what had happened. The ESC actually unplugged itself, the two cables. As I did a maneuver, the ESC slid forwards and the cables unplugged. Ooh. And everything went night-night. Mm. <laughs> that was fun. Um, other than that, uh, I've been trying to work on uh, more pure TikTok stuff, changing the direction. Um, starting to get you know, a disc in and trying to get it to rotate. I'm obsessed with trying to get that maneuver that CD did during global 3d. Mm. That's like my Holy grail maneuver. So I can get about maybe three quarters of the way around. Then it just goes completely to shit. Mm. <laughs> so that's awesome. It's a wor- work in progress. Uh, yeah. And then working on TikToks, moving in different shapes too, like doing TikToks in figure eight circuits and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Getting there. What about you, Kyle? How's what's your week been like? My week, um, slow with coronavirus, but uh, pressing on with some other things outside of BK, such as some uh, SAB little things here and there, and just uh, mm-hmm. keep myself busy and keeping a positive attitude with everything that's going on in the world. But yeah, just keeping up with BK hobbies, taking care of some orders, uh, trying to work on some. Uh, internal stuff within the business and keeping busy as best as best we can this, at this point. So yeah, keeping on and you know, stuff like that. Right. Cool. I was going to ask nice. if Bert gets to work from home during this time, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he always does. So it's not a bad deal for him. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. It's a good deal. Not bad at did, all. Did Bert get out and burn his gallon this Sunday? Oh yeah, man. Of course. hundred <laughs> percent. Nice. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> gallon of nitro fuel or something else, but definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely burn a gallon of something. <laughs> burn a gallon of something. Yeah. hundred percent. Dedicated. I love it. Exactly. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yep. Well, let's move it along. Let's, uh, so what do we got next? What's hot? The what is hot? Some yeah. some what is hot? Some what is what hot? Is hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> so biggest news that I saw last week: um, the new Neo being launched, the Neo Mini. It's uh, what would you say? Two thirds the height of a normal Neo, and a little bit narrower. Yeah. Um, and then they're launching new software. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. It's six point four. Yes, sir. Hundred percent. All right. And something that seems pretty cool, they got anti-gravity feature, which is apparently going to help some smaller helis fly like bigger helis, which I'm super excited for. And then they said it's going to be a little bit more tolerant to vibration and clean up some tail wag issues. So I'm very curious to see what that does with some tail wag stuff I've got going on, because I've got a couple models that have very slight tail wag, like nothing that you would even care to try and fix. But I'd love to see if it just dials it away immediately. Mm. So super stoked about that. And then Mikado is launching a pitot tube for airspeed. Instead of using GPS, you can actually see the actual airspeed of your model. Also useful. 
Uh, hey, Scott, something. let me stop yeah. you for just a second. So let's dig back on the software. Do we know if 6.4 is going to be at a charge or is that going to be a free update? Do we know? I would assume free, but maybe Kyle can log it. I can clue us in. I have seen online. I have not heard firsthand from Mikado, but I've seen online from trusted sources that it will be free. Nice. Okay. Well, there you go. Yep. I know there's some people that were messaging me and, and asking. So, um, yeah, cool. Good deal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's back to Mikado. Logo 200. Mm. Who saw that? <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I did. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. I mean, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I know it's the same as the um, what is it called? The M two O M O M P O M P M two. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they must have a deal going with those guys, where they turn into a bit of a logo and put a neo on it. So, yeah, I'm really curious to see how it flies. So I think I'm going to try one. I've been curious in the O M P heli to begin with because it kind of looked like a little bit of fun. So yeah, probably pick one up and try it out. Cool. So it'll be a yeah, cool. That little... one surprised me. I came yeah, out definitely. of nowhere. Yeah. Didn't expect it. <clears throat> and then they also said something else about a all new power system, which I'm pretty curious about as well. I'm going to take an assumption. It's going to probably be Scorpion something, but, um, you know, no idea what they're actually going to release there, but definitely interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hobby wing integration finally dropped. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm yeah. sure you're sick of answering questions about, Hey Kyle, mm-hmm. when's it going to come out? Oh my god <laughs> yeah oh. finally it's out yeah. to uh the majority of people <laughs> but not for everybody if you have a v-bar control touch you're in luck if not you gotta wait a little bit longer but it will come out so that being said the uh first gen v control folks will have it it just will take a little longer yes correct uh okay, for those good. of you who do not have a touch you will be supported just not initially um I know a lot of people have been commenting lately, like, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Uh, it was done for the touch. So Hobby Link just kind of pushed it out to make, uh, to get it in the, pe- the hands of some people. But uh, it's still in process for the uh, original V-Control radio. And just uh, as, just, I mean, you can kind of just breeze through this, but, and what are we going to see with this integration? What is it going to help us do? It's going to do, it's going to do all feedback throughout the flight. So voltage, capacity. Uh, like battery capacity, current flow, RPM, temperatures, all sorts of stuff like that. Nice. What you don't get initially, uh, this could change in the future, is like full setup. Like you can't set up the ESC from the radio as it currently sits, but you'll get full feedback of everything that's going on in the flight. Okay. Nice. It also offers the integrated mode where you can choose fully integrated, and it lets you basically set the RPM and uh, use VBARGOV on the ESC. Mm. Right. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I haven't tried that yet, but it seems pretty cool. Nice. Yep. Very cool. And is that for all Platinum ESCs? Uh, generally, yes. Uh, you will get the full shebang from everything from the 80 amp up to the 200 amp. If you have a 25, 40, and 60, you get a lot of it, but you don't get the capacity count. Uh, like milliamp counting because the hardware cannot support it. But if you have anything bigger from an 80 and up, then you're good to go. That's awesome. Nice. And that's a, only V4, right? 
That's correct. Only V4 okay. ESCs. And uh, right now, the 160 doesn't support it, but that will be supported around middle of April. That's a different... It's a discontinued ESC, so right. I'm surprised they're still supporting it, but uh, mm. there will be telemetry for that around middle of April, maybe a little bit later, depending, since Corona is still quite strong at this point. But mm. yeah, that's the plan. That's 160 pretty cool will that be supported. Yeah, it's cool that they're doing that. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, definitely a worthwhile upgrade. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's all free. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, about it. Unless you want to cover anything else, Kevin, and and what's hot. No, I think we're good. I think we're good there. So, cool. Let's move on to in the box. I don't know. How do you do what's that, in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> um. Well. Yeah. Scott, you got, is that Scott or is that Kevin? I put that in there actually. Okay. Um, And I know this was, take it away. Actually, yeah. Well, sorry to interrupt. Um, What is today's date? Like the 17th? I don't know, 18th, something, whatever. 19th. 19th. So it was a little while ago, but I thought it was pretty cool because I remember these days. And, um, you know, Eric Shu, he had a big day on the 12th. He had posted about it. He said, inverted flight with no buddy box on his 570, and it's still a one piece. And, <laughs> you know, man, nice. dude, congratulations. That's friggin' amazing. And, you know, I, I know way early on in an early podcast that we had done, um, we kind of touched on this, but I didn't actually tell my story on that. But I remember the day that I went out with my 450, and, you know, I, I could never fly through all five packs. Like, something would happen. And that day, not only did I do, you know, circuits upright and loops and rolls, but I threw I, or flew through every or, or all of my five packs and, and got to take it home in one piece. And that was just like, dude, I was bouncing, you know, it was just, this is amazing. You know, I didn't have to actually put something back together. So I remember those days, man. It was awesome. So good for you, uh, Eric. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we only got a couple things because coronavirus memes have taken over the internet. <laughs> um, but looks like Bob Heaster built himself a charge case. I think it looked good. Uh, yeah, it did. He did all the the deck work and stuff himself too. I think all he did cutting? it with a Dremel. Yeah, yeah nice. it came out came out really nice. It did look good. And I think it's one of those. Uh, I think it's a high tech. It's like a four channel charger, little fifty watt uh ac charger so pretty cool i've never seen anybody put one of those in a case so that's pretty cool to see somebody make something something up for one of those yeah um but other than that man it's just people posting up about getting out and flying um i mean we got to keep keep doing it we're not we're not being uh quarantined from the flying field yet so did you see some people are some guys out in california they closed their field Oh really? I did. Yeah. Hear about oh, that. I did yeah, know yeah. that. Wow. It's uh, real, real depressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No good. Huh. But that's it. That's all I got. All right, Kyle. You got anything that you want to add for anything that's new that you saw or anything like that at all? Ah, boy, oh boy. Um, I think Scott kind of covered it. The hobbyman integration is exciting to see out in the public's hands now. Yeah. Uh, the new V-Bar Neo Mini is really cool. Looking forward to that. Something that I thought notable that they mentioned is that the new Neo Mini is more resistant to vibrations. I don't really know what that means or what that entails, but uh, I guess they're using a different sensor now. So that's kind of cool. But, so yeah. I, I have a question about that, actually. Can you use the minis on larger models, or is it really 
you know, targeted to small stuff? I have no, I would assume, I mean, what, back before the V-Bar Neo, I flew mini on everything, including Nitro, which yeah. was like strongly advised against, but I don't care. I, I still <laughs> I did care. it anyway. Yeah, I don't care. It's, it worked fine. So yeah, I would think so. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I had a question though. What about, I noticed they moved some ports, like the RPM ports different. And I think it's the sensor port up top or is it aux three? Mm, I, I honestly have no idea. I didn't know about it until I saw it get announced. So okay, because you know, if you look at the normal Neo, it's got the plugs along the bottom, and it's got two at the top. Well, the two at the top are gone. Mm. Yeah, so, so they, like, yeah. they must have just moved things around to make it a little more compact. Because right. if, if, some of the aux if, channels. If you think about it, it makes more sense if they want to market it towards like airplanes, because if it's going to be more compact and smaller, then you can use it in a wider range of things. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Nice. So, uh, Kyle, you're still not going to give up the ghost on that SB- SABTs you gave us on the BK podcast, huh? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah. No idea. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, take a short break, and we will be right back. Oh, man. What happened? It's like our buddy Nick said, I ran out of talent. You sure there was any talent before? Honey, way to kick a guy when he's down. Well, here's the credit card. Thanks, babe. Guess you're going to be on BKHobbies.com all night? It's looking that way, dear. It's looking that way. If you crash your goblin as much as I do, you need a reliable resource for SAB parts. BKHobbies.com carries all SAB models and parts, as well as BK servos, switchblades, and various electronics with fast shipping. I mean, these guys don't even stop for hurricanes. It's a fact Bert and Kyle have some of the best customer service in the industry. So head on over to BKHobbies.com today. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have our very special guest with us tonight, Kyle Stacy from Florida. What's going on, man? How's life in Florida? Florida life is great. It's yeah. warm, and being someone who was born and raised in upstate New York, it is lovely being down here this time of year. Let me tell you. It nice. sounds scripted. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man, I've been living here since the beginning of 2017. I haven't seen snow in a while, and I don't miss it even a little bit mm. at all. Anybody misses snow ever. <sighs> man. Seriously, though, like flying in like February when it's 60 degrees, 70 degrees out is the weirdest thing ever for a while. But right. you get used to it, you accept it, and it's amazing. So, yeah, yeah cool. it's good. Can't complain. Now, now, do you live in uh, Orlando, or do you live... Um, like closer to where Bert is or how does, cause I don't know Florida like that well, but. Uh. So when people ask where I live, I say Orlando, but mm-hmm. the technical term is Mount Dora. Oh, it's okay. a little, little country town about 20 miles North of Orlando. It's really close to Bert. I'm um, like uh, 10 minutes away from the shop. So just a little country town, real slow. Not a lot of people. Nice. Quiet. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. nice. Yeah. It's good. Fit right in there, Kevin. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's kind of weird that he said mount because there's no fucking mount. Sorry, there's no mountains around there. Exactly. There's nothing. It's the weirdest thing ever. There's maybe one nice hill. That's about it. <laughs> one nice hill. hill. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple speed bumps in the parking yeah. lot. Oh That's the highest point of elevation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, 
Golly. Well, very yeah. cool. Well, you uh, you recently came back from a, a pretty big trip uh, over to Brazil. Why don't you tell us about that? Brazil was awesome. Uh, I flew over there to hang out with the uh, Brazilian distributor. Uh, his name is Armindo Miranda. Oh, nice. He has a company called AM Product. He brings in everything like SAB, BK Servo, Exnova Motors, like everything he brings over there. And they put on a pretty big event. There was like, I think, 300 pilots, something like that. So oh, wow. it was cool to go over and hang out with them and do my best to fake my way through Portuguese and <laughs> hang out with those guys. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. They're very, very cool. welcoming, super, super fun, super warm crowd. So we just flew a lot. I crashed the living crap out of one of my helis and they loved it. So <laughs> it's a really good sign. Uh, no, it was a good time. Yeah, I loved it. Was it the same flight? You skipped the blades in the ground or a different one? A different one. Actually, the crash, normally when I crash, I kind of see it coming, but this one was a 100% surprise. I was just doing some aileron sideways TikToks and got a little bit too low and the thing just ate mm. the ground and exploded. It was awesome. It's nice. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. Very cool. Yeah. So with the uh, the Kung Flu going around, uh, how is that affecting you guys over at SAB USA and uh, BK Hobbies? Uh, at the expense of sounding dramatic, it's affecting us quite dramatically. Um, it's really hard to get product of anything these days. We can get SAB pretty decently because they're based out of Vietnam. So... Uh, the coronavirus is starting to get into Vietnam now, but for now things are pretty stable, but, uh, BK servos are not made in China, but we do rely on China for a certain component and it's hard to get that these days. So mm. everything's just slow. Uh, even on like the sales side, I think people are a little worried U S side and kind of worldwide about spending money on recreational hobbies. So things yeah. are slow, but we're just trying to keep busy and, uh, you know, we're still open. We're still shipping orders. We're still taking phone calls and supporting everyone and doing the best we can, even in uncertain times. If there's a single business out there that's thriving, I can tell you they're lying to you. Unless you sell toilet paper or <laughs> hand sanitizer, uh, you're, you're screwed right about now. But yeah, we're just uh, doing the best we can. We're hanging in there and doing what we can. Nice. Yeah. Keep hanging in. We need yeah. you guys. We're trying. We're yeah. trying. Uh, what is your favorite all-time maneuver? Favorite all-time maneuver, man. Um, something that if you watch any of my flights, I repeat it constantly because I'm old and washed up. But it's the uh, the stationary <laughs> stationary backflips. It's just something I've been doing for years now. Feel pretty dialed in with it and can get it kind of low when I'm having a good day. So stationary nice. backflips is is fun and kind of somewhat easy for me these days. So. Yeah, it's a good Sweet. one. Cool. I think one thing I've always noticed you do as well is the, the nose down really close to the deck in a kind of like a hurricane funnel thing. Mm, that man, looks solid. What I can tell you about that, that's a good point. What I can tell you about that is when you get a little too low, it becomes incredibly dramatic. And <laughs> explodes, man. It explodes. It explodes. <laughs> it explodes. Yeah, that's a fun one, though. That's yeah. fun. It's good looks stuff. Good. So what would you say is your best fun fly memory? Best fun fly memory. Um, I have a few based on different reasons. Just general fun fly memory would be anything in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, those guys know how to party and put on a good event. So the spring fling and the fall hilly mowdown is just like hands down the most fun events that I've ever been to. It's kickback. 
they got a really nice field. So as far as flying goes, it's a lot of fun. And when the sun goes down, they just uh, relax and, you know, you just kind of feel at ease. I don't feel like I have to put on a show for anyone or, you know, be quote unquote on. Like I just go out and fly when I want to and have a good time. But uh, yeah, that those events up in Fredericksburg are just uh, incredible. Those guys are awesome. Love going up there. Yeah. Very cool. So a lot of people want to know, why is Bert so grumpy? oh man as someone who sees that guy about six to seven days a week uh he's uh he's a learned guy he's a lot of fun to be around but he is a little cranky what's funny about (laughs) him is like he's negative in the most positive way like i can walk in the shop and be like man it's a beautiful day the sun's out he'll go no it's not it's too hot so he's just funny. He's <laughs> like he's negative, but in the most humorous, like funny way. So when he's negative with me, I don't, I don't find anything negative in it. He's just he's just a lot of fun to be around. I love he's, the guy. He's like a kind of like a father figure to me. You know, obviously I have my dad, but uh, since I see Bert all the time, he's just a, a really good dude to be around. I love that guy. That's awesome. Yes. So. What fly barlesses have you flown in the past? Obviously, you've been on B bar for quite a while. What have you tried before? I have flown consistently on my own models. Uh, before the V bar, I flew the CGY 750, 750. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was instrumental in the development of that in the beginning. Uh, me, myself, Matt Bodos, uh, Bobby Watts, we all kind of helped first bring the V1 of the 750 out. So I flew that for a lot of years, uh, had good luck with it. It worked great. It's still a good job to this day. But uh, basically the CGY 750, the V-Bar, and then the Align 3G when that first came out back in like uh-huh. 2000-whatever. I don't even remember what year it was. But the That's first a good one. Of the Align. That was a good one, I'm right, sorry. Mike? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> was, Kevin showed me a video of him flying one with one of those, and he's doing hurricanes and stuff. And he... Dan was like, look, man, it, it doesn't fly bad. I said, yeah, but the funny thing is, Kevin's trying to hover it right now. And it's working, <laughs> <but> so- <laughs> uh, and of course, man. you had fly bar before that, too. Yeah, yeah. The original Fly Brothers gyro was the fly bar, and I flew that from, you know, back when I learned to fly at five years old, or actually before that, up until like 2009, somewhere in there, probably, 2009, 2010. Wow. So I got a question for you. How much time did you spend on hovering before you finally started moving on? Because, you know, Nick Maxwell, what was it like? He hovered for like two years. So how long did it take you before you finally started progressing into other things? This is going to sound weird, but I really don't remember. Um, I soloed for the first time with a heli at five years old. Uh, And I know that my dad really pushed me in the beginning to learn the basics, to hover in every single orientation and be comfortable right side up and upside down. So I probably hovered close to around the same time, probably about a year, a little okay. bit more. But and then work on, uh, yeah, I was I was young. I was yeah. five, six years old, learned to hover and just do orientations and stuff like that. But that's, that's why I kind of stress to everyone that I talk to now is if they can't do uh, something like a TikTok or a Pyro flip. Well, hover nose in for me, and then <laughs> let's work our way forward. So there's a lot of people I know these days who just can't do the general basics that I learned, you know, 20 years ago at this point. Sure. Uh, yeah, people need to walk before they start to run. So definitely, uh, the orientations are super important. 
Very I cool. agree. Yeah, I'll go with that too because I I skipped a lot of stuff early on, and focusing on orientations in all directions just makes everything easier. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Big time. Yeah, big time. Big time. Um, what is your favorite secret project that you've been involved with in the past? I would say the Goblin Black Nitro. Uh, that was a lot of fun to be involved with from the very beginning. Uh, I was involved with Enrico, the designer and co-owner of SAB, from the drawing aspect to prototyping and then the eventual release. So I was the first person to fly the Black Nitro ever in the world. So it was kind of cool working with him and getting stuff like the clutch dialed in and the fan and fan shroud and just, you know, working literally from the ground all the way up to what is available today is what I would humbly say is probably the most like reliable maintenance free nitro that you can buy on the market like the black nitro like sponsorships and like business aside like doesn't matter what i fly for or who i work for like my opinion would be the same like that is the most maintenance free just like bulletproof nitro that you can buy to this day 100 percent. yeah so uh how long have you been working with sab and mikado well, <laughs> I saw a little hiatus, but I started with SAB in 2012, I think. I joined in May of 2012. I was with them all the way up until uh, the end of 16. At the end of 16, I decided to do a little bit of a life change and work on some stuff outside of the industry. I did some UAV drone work. And at that point, I kind of had to take a step back from RC in general. And then uh, at the end of 17, I joined back up with uh, SAB. And at the same time as when I joined BK Designs slash BK Hobbies. So uh, more or less on and off from 2012 up until now, I've been with SAB. And then uh, Mikado, I started flying the V-Bar Neo and V-Bar Control back in uh, mid-2014 or 2015, somewhere in there. And I've been with them uh, ever since. That's pretty cool. Not not too many people can say they got relationships with their sponsors that long. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good stuff. I've been really happy with all those guys. When I left SAB back in 16 or 17, I had nothing to do with them. It was just kind of me looking at life from a different perspective and, you know, looking at uh, the future in a different way. And I just wanted to try something else because I've been flying. I'm 24 and I've been flying for 19 years. So I was just looking at things through a different perspective. I wanted to try something else. So it had nothing to do right. with them, just me looking for a different avenue. But it uh, it drew me back, and here we are. Full speed You're like, end. man, the normal world sucks. I'm going back to helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of to a point, yeah. So yeah. back back in at full speed doing flying and kind of seeing a different angle of it now, working for BK Hobbies and looking at the back end of things, so to speak. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Three Blades, um, how did that even come about with SAB? And I know that when it came out, it didn't seem to really latch on strong, and correct me if I'm wrong about that, but um, but it does seem like it's kind of making a, re- a little bit of a resurgence here recently. I mean, there seems like there's some folks that are trying it out again and kind of getting into that, but, but how did that even come about? Well, I'm trying to think of the years here. My years are always off. I'm tough with that, but... In 2014 is when SAB first designed their three-bladed head and tail. And they gave me one like, here you go. We have no idea what this is going to do, 
let us know what happens. And <laughs> I put it on and kind of played with it, and I liked the way it felt initially. But uh, what I first noticed we had to change was the blades. So uh, I, I would say the most important factor to any three-blade rotor head system is the blades. Uh, outside of setup or servos or anything whatsoever, the blades are the most important. So In, in what our, way? Sorry. Uh, just the weight and the CG, because everything is so vastly different from any two-blade rotor head setup. Uh, where you want to put the CG, uh, how heavy the blades have to be, uh, just uh, the tip design. Everything had to change to suit the three-blade rotor head. And which, what I found heavier. lighter, definitely, because you have an extra blade there. You don't need quite as much weight uh, and the blades to maintain the same stability. So it was just exciting for me to have something totally different to play with. And uh, I kind of latched on because the feeling was kind of more stable but at the same time it was a little more erratic and it just kind of suited my flying style at the time and it still does to an extent um so i just had a lot of fun playing with that tweaking and tuning and working with sab on different blades and setup and stuff like that yeah so another question would be um because i know some people probably do it is how important is it to buy matched three blades versus buying like just two random sets of blades i mean obviously the same like say if you went with two switchblade packs right of two 693s you know and tried to match those up like is there what would you look for do you recommend that or do you just recommend trying to find a you know a set of three that's actually matched to each other yeah if you're going to fly three blades uh there's literally no other choice other than flying a three blade set if you try and buy like two sets of any other brand that is like a matched two blade set, mm-hmm. you're just going to have a bad time because they just, they weigh so much, which is what they're supposed to weigh. If you buy a two blade set, if you buy two, two blade sets and put them on a three blade, it's just not going to work because they're just way too heavy. Mm. Uh-huh. So if you do want to fly a three blade set, look for a three blade match set. Uh, obviously SAB makes a set. I don't know who else makes them because it's kind of like a niche thing the spin, these days. The spin blade still do it? Spin Blades did it. I know Rotor Tech was doing it at one point. Um, I think there's a few other brands here and there. I think that Align do it. sells a set too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Align does it. But, um, you know, sponsorships aside, I think SAB kind of nailed it the best in a way. Just because we've been working on it for years, what they sell now works uh, sure. pretty well. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Nice. So, does your dad still fly? He doesn't fly consistently, but he can fly. Uh, every time I go home to New York, he and I usually go out to the field and fly together. Uh, for Christmas, I don't know what year, I gave him a fireball ready to fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got him a fireball with batteries and servos, and I think, no, he built it, but I gave him everything he needed. I gave him a V-Control that I had and a Neo and everything, and said, here you go, you know, go fly. And he built it, and he flew it, and he loved it. Uh even when I talk to him now, he, he tells me every now and again he'll charge up some packs and go fly in the backyard. So he still has the bug. He just doesn't fly quite as much anymore. But, yeah, he's still into it. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. So what, when he was flying, what was his? What would you say his favorite helicopter was? Well, I would say a lot of people probably don't know what this is anymore, but it's the JR Vigor. I know Scott probably knows what that is. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, JR Vigor. We're going back to, like, 2000. God, 2005, probably before that even. Yeah. The JR Vigor, when JR Propo made helicopters. Uh, it was before the Vibe and everything. It's old school heli. Uh, my dad flew actively a bunch of years ago, so 
he was flying all the new stuff back then and kind of the pioneer so to speak in the upstate new york area he was the first guy to like fly inverted and do 3d up in this area so he really kind of brought uh helicopters to the upstate new york area i would say so when you're out with your dad or you're out by yourself how do you how do you approach flying? Do you do it the same way you do when, when at an event? You just beat the snot out of it, or do you do you approach flying differently when you're by yourself or with your dad? Flying for me has changed so drastically over the years. Um, it's kind of hard to say. Um, if I go flying with my dad, it's kind of like when I go fly with Bert. We just go hang out, do some flights. We make fun of each other a whole lot. Um, make each other fly lower, stuff like that. But generally these days, I'm kind of flying more for testing, which is an entirely different kind of flying, uh, where I just go out and try and break it <laughs> in the air. <laughs> just try a bunch of different setups, different RPMs, different blades, and just do my best to try and break the stuff in the air. But when I go out and fly for fun, honestly, it's kind of like a nitro heli. Go out with Burr and our buddy Gator, and you know, we'll meet up with John and Justin Cook, and just go out and just fly for a day, you know? Just give each other, give each other a bunch of a bunch of grief, make fun of each other, have a good time. But uh, lately, it's more testing than flying for fun. So, but when you're yeah. flying though, just for fun, like what's your flight style? Like, what, how are you flying? Is it still pushing limits, or or do you approach it differently? It's the same thing that you see in any of the videos online. Uh, exactly how I fly at events is how I fly at home. Okay. I was actually talking to my buddy Aaron Tewilliger the other day, and I was telling him that. I am more comfortable and dialed in just a few millimeters off the ground than anything else. Like I'm just so used to flying low now that that's what I consider like normal <laughs> as weird as that sounds. So yeah, what you see in the videos and events is exactly what I do at home. Just fly barely off the ground. And you know, that's just kind of, that's comfortable and that's normal for me. So that's amazing. same thing nice. at home as you see everywhere yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to point something out to Scott here real quick. Uh, you noticed he said he would grab a nitro and not a gasser, right? 100%. Uh, nitro. Nitro for life. Just want, to make, sure you, just want to make sure you heard that. I Scott. still have nitro, okay? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure you do. Yeah. It's a nitro with an OS motor, too, just for the record. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> How do we delete people from a call? <laughs> <laughs> and that's our show. <laughs> oh man. Nice. So when uh when you're testing helicopters, do you have a certain like procedure uh that you do or like a certain maneuver that you perform to see if yeah. they hold up? How do you break it? <laughs> um <laughs> I just kind of go out and just raise the RPM real high and just kind of beat the piss out of it. <laughs> nice. It's kind of brutal as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of just do a bunch of different setups as far as RPM and cyclic pitch and stuff like that. And just do my best to try and boom strike it or get the tail to blow out or just kind of put it through as many paces as I can when uh, testing a model. Cause it's not testing it for me. It's testing it for everyone else who's going to buy it. So I kind of have to put my shoe, my, my feet in their shoes and picture what they're going to do with it, how they're going to fly with it and, and everything. But there's a lot more than just flying it. Like a lot of times they'll send me a new prototype kit unbuilt and I have to build it. And I give a lot of feedback on the manual. Like, no, like this step should be here. Like that doesn't make sense there. Like, you know, put this ahead of this and, 
kind of make it easier to build for the end user so that when they open the box and follow the manual, it makes the most amount of sense. Nice. So if and when you do like find a failure point, is it more at like higher head speeds or lower head speeds when you find that? Honestly, it's at the lower head speeds when you mix in a lot of cyclic and a lot of collective because the higher an RPM you go, the less chance you have of boom striking things just due to centrifugal force keeping those blades way out there. But if you crank it down and start leaning on it, then the blades can get a little bendy. Right. <laughs> meet, meet some things they shouldn't be meeting. So, <laughs> yeah, I crank the RPM down a little bit and just let it rip. Yeah. You ever posted a video of that procedure or like anything you, you've messed around with like that? No, I actually don't have anything on video like that. It's always happened off camera somehow. Yeah, yeah but it's never, something. It's it's never been like all that exciting. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know. Like just before the Kraken came out, I had the rotor head a couple. Actually, at this point, it's been like a year before the Kraken came out. They sent me the rotor head, and just to finding the damp thing. Like I'd kind of get the blades to tick here and there with the boom, but it was never like total destruction. So it wasn't anything too exciting to see, but just mm-hmm. defining different dampeners and 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 uh, O-rings that went in the head. But there was nothing too like suddenly the thing just ate itself. But oh yeah. man, when when Kyle Stacy says he takes a helicopter <laughs> and beats the shit out of it. I imagine that'd be a pretty exciting video. Yeah, I would, I would want to see that. <laughs> as far you as flying it. goes, it's it's like boring. It's just you know just doing a bunch of negative pitch and cyclic stuff, trying to get the boom to touch the blades. But yeah, but when you pretty- get like that little tick, do you like uh, make it your job to try to chop it off? You're like, oh yeah, I got you now. <laughs> and try to make it full percent. Spot kinda, of vulnerability. Yeah, kind of, kind of a little bit. Just keep going a little bit. Keep pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> And what happens if it it explodes? Like if I assume that whoever manufactured that component or whatever failed, like maybe helps you with some stuff that got damaged. First step is I jump for joy because that's freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Second second step is I pull my phone out and call Enrico and say, "Okay, so (laughs) hear me out. Hear me out. Flying along. (laughs) Yeah." But no, these days things are pretty good. Uh, they kind of nail stuff kind of like right out of the gate. So things are things are pretty easy these days. I don't have to do a lot of exploding. Things are <laughs> things are really good. Uh, first revision. Yeah. Uh, what about scariest moment in the hobby? Scariest moments. Uh, man, I don't want to name the brand, but uh, I know if my dad is listening to this, he will remember remember it. Uh, there was a specific radio brand that I flew back in the day, and I was flying my Raptor, my Raptor 90 SE, something like that, uh, in my hometown field. And I was doing some pyro flips, probably about 10 feet off the ground, about 50 feet away from me. Everything was going good, and suddenly it locked out, uh, tail down, blades at me, and went full positive collective pitch. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I just remember me and my dad took off running, and that thing flew right through the path of where we were standing. Wow. So, yeah, that was definitely the scariest moment when uh, suddenly just locked out and went right through where we were at. Good yeah, thing you were able to get out of the way. Yeah. Well, it was a while ago. It was uh, a few hundred pounds ago, so I was definitely able to move a lot faster than I can now. <laughs> Ellie's moved faster too now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So it's got yeah, nothing to true. do with your weight, Kyle. See? <laughs> yeah. It was the heli. That was <laughs> it was the heli. It was Raptors. <laughs> the, the heli and the fly bar slowed it down. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 
Jeez. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, so at the one competition at Urcha, uh, how surprised were you when the Goblin actually launched out of the box? Incredibly. Man, as soon as that thing came out, it was like a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> I think uh, Bobby and I launched that thing in general like 20 times, and it worked twice. It worked oh. the morning of, and then it worked during the competition. That's got to cool. be stressful. <laughs> yeah. just uh, It was just quite the system getting it to launch. We had It was all air-powered and getting the air dialed in, and then finding an ESC that would spool up fast enough. So at that time, it was a Castle 160. And what I had to do beforehand was go out and spool it up to full RPM and then put it in bailout mode and just leave it there uh, until the tank came time. So before the event even started, I went back into a corner with Bobby. I spooled it up, put it in bailout mode, and then handed my radio to someone else. I just had to wait. At that point, it was like probably two hours before I had to fly. So the Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, the heli was just powered on. The radio was, I don't even know where it was. It was just sitting somewhere with someone just waiting. And then uh, they handed me the radio, and uh, our buddy Gator and Beast pushed the box out there. And I'm just shaking like a leaf waiting as, like, Bobby and I had some pre-recorded stuff going over the sound system uh, with music and everything. I'm just shaking like, man, please work, please work, please work. We're both freaking out, and he hit the button, it came out, and it spooled up and kept going, and we were just screaming at each other the whole whole rest of the flight, happy that, <laughs> happy that it worked. It actually worked. Yeah, it worked, yeah. We were so happy. I don't even remember the rest of the flight. Like, that's all we were, we were focused on was just the box. I don't remember anything else about the flight. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. Now, you just I mentioned believe it. it stayed in bailout that long. I know. I'm so happy. <laughs> Two hours. Yeah. You just mentioned a name that uh, I haven't heard in years. Um, you mentioned Beast. Is he still in the hobby at all? or? Um, as far as recreational goes, I don't know. I know that he's working in like, the UAV side. He's been designing some Is drones for, for, yeah, like video shoots. He's been de- designing some big stuff for video shoots and stuff like that. And he was selling the uh, Evo batteries. I don't know if they're still out or not, but he was selling oh, wow. batteries and, and doing drones and stuff like that so yeah he's been kind of in and out but as far as flying for fun i I have no idea is he still in maryland as far as i know actually no he's in the dc area washington dc i think yeah somewhere up there interesting all right Mm -hmm. yep so uh any other hobbies other than helicopters um i play guitar for fun i've kind of played guitar on and off for the past couple years uh, I'm starting to get into photography now, so oh, I have nice. uh, a DSLR camera that I play with every now and again. If you see some higher quality photos on my Facebook, that comes from that. Oh, Certainly nice. not my iPhone. So yeah, just playing around with different stuff. Very just cool, man. Keep the, keep the brain. Is this going. still the yeah. camera you stole off Olivia? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Thanks for bringing Matt that back up, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> she just forgot about it. <laughs> oh, yep. man. Very nice. cool. Well, neat. Yeah. Good deal. Well, I think Scott uh, has a topic for us this evening. And, uh, and, of course, it was something that we had previously discussed. And uh, it's perfect that you're here uh, to sort of help add into that. So take it away, Scott. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about fly barless tuning, helicopter setup, some stuff that you usually get into when you start a new heli. 
So why don't you walk us through new model, maiden setup. You just took it off the bench and you're going to fly. What do you normally do with the fly barless? Well, I get to cheat. Oh, <laughs> boy. That I have some preset parameters that I know will just work. But um, with some newer models, I'm kind of... Um, some stuff that's coming out later this year. I don't really know what I'm getting myself into as far as fly brothers goes. So Just dropping those hints. <laughs> I have no idea what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but the first thing I tune is uh, cyclic gain. So I'll pull it up in a hover and just kind of start jabbing the cyclic. If there's a super big bounce back, then I start lowering the cyclic gain a little bit here and there. And that's the first thing that I really look for. After the cyclic gain bounce back is kind of dialed in, then I'll just start flying it and tune from there, doing stuff like expo and uh, agility style stuff like that stuff that's like not super uh, like instrumental as far as bobbles and stuff go the the style and the expo and agility is kind of like for feel yeah so specific pilot kind of thing yeah so like gain is like the most important to kind of keep the model from bouncing around or or oscillating or anything like that so that's the first thing I look at to make sure that the model doesn't do anything uh, crazy right off the bat. I have a question about that, actually. Um, is there a number that you would consider too low? Like if, you, if you're if you still experiencing bobbles, you know, from um, doing what you're describing, it, you know, is there a number that's too low that you should be like, oh, okay, something's not right here. We need to go back to the drawing board. For, for gain, yeah. Uh, if you're running a two-blade head on just about any size heli, uh, if you have to go below 40% with Neo, on gain, then I would look at something else. Maybe it's dampening, or maybe your optimizer needs tuned, or mm. maybe it's blades or setup like that. But anything below forty, uh, you probably have something else going on. Okay, yeah. cool. Starts to blow out, feels kind of mushy, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. If you have to go below forty, you got something else going on. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Blow out mushy, kind of like your Dodge, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, who needs Jeez. enemies, right? Exactly. <laughs> With friends like this, right, Kevin? Right, I'm telling you. I'm moving yeah. to fucking Florida. Fuck you guys. Come on down. Come oh my on God. Down. Me and Bert can you be better, grumpy together. You there better you rent go. a truck. <laughs> oh God. So you're, you're talking about when you set up your head, you just fly around. Um, me, when I do it, I tend to have certain maneuvers that I know kind of push, not necessarily the limits, but they push like the stability of the helicopter a little bit. So, like, I'll try and do, like, a really aggressive overspeed, and when I flatten the disc out, um, sometimes if the gain, the gain is too low, um, the disc will blow out, or it won't hold with high collective, high cyclic input uh, if it's moving really quick. Um, and then I also try and do TikToks, like elevator TikToks. They'll show a, a head wiggle, a head wobble as well if the gain's a little bit too high on there. Um, what do you normally do in those situations? If you see like a bounce back in TikToks, something that I would typically tune in that would be the optimizer, uh, which is a value I'm sure everyone has seen in the V-bar, but perhaps they don't really know what it does. And from how I understand and how I tune it, optimizer is basically your flip rate tied to your stop gain. So the higher up you go on your optimizer, the faster it will flip, but also the harder it stops. And the harder the stops, the more it'll uh, bounce back, so to speak. <laughs> so I meant like um, skid shake, though, as well. So the aileron shake on an elevator TikTok. Oh yeah, if it's if it's shaking like that, then it's definitely too high of a gain and you back it down. But um, 
Yeah, like uh, uh, optimize is for bounce back, but gain is for kind of a shake in the, in the skids. Or if you're doing fast forward flight and it's shaking, then that's definitely a psychic gain as well. Mm-hmm. And do you um, do you do an auto optimizer when you fly or, or do you manually tune that optimizer? Uh, I've never used that, actually. I've never I've never had to just because I know what values work for me. I've never okay. had it do it. Do it for me. Nope. Okay. I have noticed it works. I don't know the values. <laughs> so, you know, once you've done it a couple times with the same model, yeah, you can use the same value. But um, if I'm bouncing around models and stuff, I'll run a, I'll run an optimizer flight and I'll do flips in all directions with hard stops. And then same with the tail. And it, it does change the way it flies. You can notice a difference. And typically I'll do an optimizer before I start tweaking the gains. Because sometimes if the optimizer's off, it makes it look like the gain's off too. Right. Right. And uh, you just brought up a good point. The optimizer for the tail flight. uh, That's really good to do regardless. I still do that to this day. Excuse me for the tail. Just because I don't I don't really dial in the tail a whole lot. So a tail optimizing flight is a really good idea. Mm -hmm. And do you leave it on or you turn it off at the end? I turn it off. Yeah, I turn it off. And what about tail wags? So I've seen as we're on tail. What do you normally try and look for? Um, Let's say that Let's say you get a tail wag and it's not mechanical, because usually it is mechanical. What's your next go-to? Um, so this is a good one. I was looking forward to this one. If it's a slow wag, then it's obviously mechanical. If it's a fast wag, then it's a tail gain issue. Uh, the first thing I'll do to attune tail gain is throw it in a backwards hurricane uh, or a tail down funnel or something like that to get the tail kind of upset or all fired up and mm-hmm. tune the tail gain from there. Um, after that, what I'll do next is like an overspeed maneuver and overspeed is actually where I tune the P gain for the tail. So a lot of guys out there don't really tune this. So if you see anyone doing an overspeed and suddenly the tail starts wagging, mm-hmm. the first thing I'll do is turn down the P gain. That kind of helps the tail from wagging in an overspeed. So if you have a fast wag, it's probably just general base gain, but if everything is good and everything except an overspeed, then, uh, turn down your P gain a little bit. So a little bit off topic, but same thing is you're saying a slow wag would be mechanical. What would be some indicators uh, or what would you look for uh, if it was mechanical before you start touching you know, your radio for gains and whatnot? It can be a few things. The thing that I see most, uh, most commonly is like a tight tail setup. Like uh, if you pop the tail push rod off of the... The, the lever in the back and it's really hard to move by hand you might need to push uh, to like grease the the tail output shaft mm-hmm. or maybe the bearings are shot or uh, another thing i've seen a lot is uh the thrust bearings and the tail grip blade grips are backwards you know it's a lot of simple stuff that we can look over but you can chase your tail no pun intended for for quite a while trying to get it dialed in okay perfect so you touched on adjusting the P gain there on the tail whenever you have a high-speed oscillation. So mm-hmm. I think we should move into explaining what P, I, and D really is. So okay. I'm going to run through what these are, and then if you have anything to add for each one, we'll, we'll hit that. Let's do it. So proportional uh, is basically the difference between where you're at and where you need to be. So the difference between a set point and the value it sees. So if the gyro sees that you're like 15 degrees off of your target angle, that's all it sees. That is your P and how much it's going to 
make a change in order to get to its target. So a high P gain means it's going to go very quickly towards its target from P. A low P gain means it's going to move a little slower towards it. It's not going to try as hard to hit its its target. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yep. Yep. So a high P will cause a fast oscillation and an overshoot because the faster you go towards it, the more it's going to overshoot that speed. It's kind of like running down the hallway in like high school or something. Your class is here. You're running full speed past it. You're going to blow past the door if you don't hit the brakes before you go. Which, which, <laughs> which, which is a great explanation for one thing. And it kind of makes sense for when you do an overspeed, the tail's kind of like, oh, my God. Now what? Our, our our RPM has like tripled at this point. What do we do? So right. it kind of makes sense. They got to back down on the P gain. For reference, the default P gain on V bar is eighty. No matter what heli I'm flying, if it's a five seventy, a seven hundred, a seven seventy, no matter what it is, the first thing I do is take that eighty all the way down to sixty, so that no matter what RPM I'm at, overspeed, underspeed, whatever it is, the tail is always locked in at sixty percent for me. Excellent. And the next value um, is integral, integral response. And what this is, is if you imagine kind of like heading hold, if you would, integral is the constant of error. So let's say that, you know, your P gain sees that you're 15 degrees off trying to get to zero and it'll give you the speed to go to zero. I gain sees if it tries to get to zero, but doesn't quite get there. Maybe it gets to one or two degrees and it's constantly off angle it'll see that and it'll constantly adjust for it. So it will increase as the um, error stays over time. So I guess the, the higher the eye gain is the, uh, oh, help me out, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, the, the way that I tune uh, eye gain personally, and uh, the way it's, it's a heading hold basically just to hold the tail. I, I always reference uh, PIDs on the tail gyro for reference. So uh, eye gain, for me is uh kind of like pirouetting maneuver so i'll go and do a, a pirouetting funnel and if it's um what we call is like hunting or uh whipping if it's the if the rate is changing constantly then your eye gain is just simply not in tune because it's not doing a well enough job at holding that constant rate right scott yeah so i don't know if it's up or down it's going to depend on the setup but if you're doing like a pirouetting funnel or a pirouetting loop and the tail rate is whipping, uh, meaning like you have a constant rate and it's whipping at some point where it's suddenly speeding up and then sliding back down. That's what we call whipping. Uh, you might have to go up or down on your eye gain to get it to maintain a constant speed throughout the maneuver. Yeah, I got lost where it was up or down for what adjustment. I think, if I remember correctly, if the error remains there for a duration of time, the higher the eye gain, the more it attempts to correct that error for the least amount of time, if that makes sense. So if five seconds pass and you have the same error on a low gain, it'll give you maybe 30% correction. On a high gain, it'll try and give you 60% correction over the same duration of five seconds. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. If, if, if it's whipping, I think you have to go up on your gain to try and alleviate the whipping and have a more consistent rate. Yeah. Yep, which means it'll try to stay where it thinks it should be more. Which right. And whipping, it'll usually go fast on the back side of travel and slow on the front side kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then the last one, which usually isn't used very often with our fly barless systems, but there is a derivative as well, which is typically referred to as the deacceleration towards your target. Um, so it, if you are coming up against a wall, a higher D will make that initial slowdown to its target uh, less aggressive. Correct. 
Yeah. So like if your D gain is too high, uh, once again, a reference to your tail gyro, if your D gain is too high, if you're doing a pirouette and you want the tail to stop right in front of you and you let go of it when it should stop right in front of you, what it might do is coast past you and then bounce back. That's where your T gain, your D gain, sorry, is uh, too high. If it goes past you and comes back or any sort of bounce back, your D gain is too high. Awesome. And then two sections that refer to eye gain that I was a little questioning on. Um, one of them I, I term discharge, I believe, is if the error is off for a certain duration of time and it stays off, it'll allow that error to be accepted. So instead of always trying to hit, say, 13 degrees of angle on the tail, if it can only get to maybe, you know, 14 and a half, 15 degrees, and it just kind of can't get around for some reason, it'll then slowly adjust and discharge that target to where it wants to be, uh, to where it's sitting. This one, I actually had to do some research on, as far as V-bar goes, what the eye limit and eye discharge goes, uh, what that means for V-bar. And... For 99% of you, you should not have to touch or tune this value at all for the record. Um, basically, what this means is it's going to kind of tune the around center feel. Uh, this is more tuned for like scale models. So as the wind hits the model and the tail kind of has to bounce back and forth uh, to maintain one spot, the eye gain is going to let it kind of weather in the rain and the, in the wind a little bit back and forth the discharge uh, right right yeah the yeah, discharge yeah. is going to let it kind of bounce back and forth in the wind so mm -hmm. i've never tuned this once in my life because it's more tuned towards like scale models to like i said kind of weather back and forth but i think they just put that in there for people to play with but uh for 99 percent of you guys don't even pretend like it's not even there basically yeah just just tune it out but it, yeah it's just kind of like to let the the tail move with the wind from what i understand it allows error, basically, in the tail. Yeah. It's like softening your heading hold. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. And we'll move back to the normal section. <laughs> <laughs> we segued there because we talked about P gain. All right. Um, so we talked about maneuvers, what you normally do for the head and tail. Um, what about motors? Let's talk starting with electric uh, governor tuning, and then we'll move on to nitro governor tuning. Okay. So what is your procedure for, say, electric? Um, I know you, I think you use Hobbywing uh, GovStore, right? Yeah, I use the Hobbywing Governor on everything, whether it's the Goblin Buddy all the way up to a Kraken. I will use stock, 100% stock, Hobbywing Governor settings. But I've also played with the V-Bar Governor. And when it came to that, all I would tune was the gain. Uh, it was just kind of fly in general maneuvers, let it overspeed and underspeed. And tuning again, I would just look for kind of hunting. And when it came to electric and hunting, what you wanted to look for was kind of like a main gear chirp, so to speak. If you could kind of hear some, if you could hear the electric motor kind of surging a little bit. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but like if you're doing an overspeed and as soon as you level out, if you can hear the main, the, the motor kind of surging, trying to find what RPM it is, that's just too high of a gain. Like there's not a lot of tuning, in my opinion, when it comes to an electric governor setup. So just the, the electric governor gain is about all I found need to be tuned. Okay. And then what about nitro? Same thing. Um, just overspeed it. Let the, uh, uh, let the, the governor shut off, so to speak, and let the, the, the governor kind of take over in overspeed modes. The only thing that I really tuned with nitro was the collective and cyclic add. Uh, when I played with lower RPMs, the, the collective and cyclic add is exactly what it sounds like. 
Valheim. I found it super beneficial for like 1600 to 1700 on a Nitro, where if you're doing slower 3D, as you give Cyclic or Collective, it will increase the RPM slowly to counter kind of counteract your inputs to prevent bogging so you have to tune that a little bit uh, I, st- I find stock values to be a little bit off so you might have to lower them or raise them for your style but uh, it might raise the rpm or not raise it enough depending on what you're doing okay <clears throat> uh and what about um like min throttle Never tuned it, honestly. That's the min throttle is where the governor will kick on mm-hmm. as far as what RPM you're at and where you're at on the throttle. Um I think if you run super low RPM, you might find that the governor doesn't kick on soon enough or it doesn't hold RPM very well. So I might need to raise the min throttle so that the governor is always active, but that's not really something you have to tune like consistently across models or anything. So it also has another effect if you're in, say, bank two or three, and the governor is always enabled during that bank, uh, it doesn't allow the throttle to drop below a certain value, which True. I've used I've used with like a 50. I had issues with an OS 55. If I did like an overspeed or something, it would damn near go to idle. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you'd catch True. the overspeed and come back. So then I would bump the min, the min uh, RPM there, the min throttle, and then it became a little bit... Um, uh, it wouldn't do that as much. It would maintain an RPM. Yeah, it wouldn't bring it all the way down to basically off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before, before you need it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool. And then moving back to say cyclic uh, tuning, that kind of stuff. Do servos really make an effect? Um, do you notice a difference if you run, um, I guess, brushless versus brush servo with where your tune ends up and your fly barless? um brushless versus brush no but you'd be surprised what differences servos make in speed as well as torque uh Mm. i've seen pretty significant gain changes just in torque alone uh what i i noticed this a lot when we were testing the kyostase edition pk servos because we had a lot of different versions trying to dial in the the excuse me the production version we were playing with different um torque values within the motor so i saw a lot of different changes in gain overall if it's stronger like if it has a stronger motor overall like more torque to the servo you won't need as much gain uh if it's faster you might have to lower the gain as well just because the servo is going to react so much faster so generally the faster and stronger the servo is i found lower gain overall if it's a slower servo you're going to have to crank the gain up okay do you notice any issues with the tracking with a less torquey servo Tracking, no. What you'll notice is if you really start to lean on it, uh, you're going to have to introduce a lot of collective and cyclic pitch combinations together to notice servo stalling, is -hmm. what we call it, servo where the servo just doesn't have enough torque for it. Uh, You really have to do a lot of maneuvers that combine both collective and cyclic pitch at a high rate of speed. I would say most servos available today, you won't see it. Um, but in some cases you will see where you just throw all the inputs at it and it's still not doing what you want it to do. But for most people out there and most servos, you won't run into that at all. Yeah, I, I think I experienced something with that. I had some, uh, mini servos. I think there were minis. Yeah. Mini servos and an oxy five mm-hmm. and I was beating on it pretty good and it would just kind of almost like it blew out, but porpoised at the same time. And then mm-hmm. it would come back. Well, there's another side to look at it. Uh, if we're going to get really deep on this, it could do also with rotor head geometry. Now, 
I myself, I know nothing about oxyfied rotor head geometry, but in some cases, I have found that models don't have quite enough geometry to support the servos that are trying to, I don't know how to explain this, like the servos can move, but the rotor head doesn't, like the rotor doesn't have enough uh, resolution to support the servos. Um, what you'll see is like the eight degree point, what you want that percentage to be in the V-bar is anywhere from like 80 to 100%. If it's lower than that, then your rotor head doesn't have enough resolution to support the servos. That makes any sense. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're below anywhere from 80 to 100%, then what you might find is if you combine a bunch of inputs, regardless of how strong your servos are, you're just going to feel kind of like a dead zone at some point because the rotor head cannot move enough to keep up with the servos. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to explain. It can, you kind of got to feel it and play with a bunch of different setups. But if you're below that thresh point for uh, eight degrees, then you kind of have to change something. Either go out in the servo horn, maybe, or try different servo horn arms on, or not servo horn arms, but like grip arms on the head, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But it's just like a super in-depth geometry sort of thing. Cool. And then what about retuning? So let's say you have a heli that survives couple years without going in <laughs> do you ever <laughs> notice that the the tune changes i mean i know that it changes in different temperatures environments and air density stuff like that but have you noticed as a heli kind of beds in that the tune changes first of all <laughs> two years without <laughs> they never thrashing. last that long right <laughs> <laughs> first year without tuning is like a freaking miracle in my book but um <laughs> Uh, what I'll notice over time is I have had some helis that don't ever crash. They just get super lucky. Uh, they start to feel mushy, and that has nothing to do with the tune. That just has to do with dampening. So once you have it dialed in in the beginning, that's how it should always fly until something like the dampeners wear out or uh, something like that. So once it's dialed in in my book, I just let it go until it starts feeling weird. Then I look at dampeners or, or links or bearings or something like that. Okay. And then what about... Um yeah, links. You you notice a little bit of slop in the links. Do you see that affecting its flight performance, or do you normally notice it on the bench before that becomes you'll, an issue? Yeah, you'll see links on the bench way before. You'll see it in flight. Uh, if you just kind of if you leave it powered up and move the grips when it's powered up, you'll see a lot of excess play. Typically, in my experience, I'll crash it way before that becomes a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But something I'll see early on. Not early on, but, you know, after a thousand or so flights would be dampeners. Uh, that's something I change before it becomes a problem is, is the dampeners in the rotor head. But over time, if it just starts to feel mushy or the inputs aren't quite as direct and crisp, then take a look at the dampeners. Maybe you can just change the O-rings in the head or maybe you have to do a whole shebang. But if I'm changing everything, then I'm changing everything. Thrust bearings, bearings, dampeners, O-rings, everything. Cool. So what, once you change that stuff, do you expect it to be locked in again, or would you have to go through a tuning process again? No, I just kind of let it ride. Cause I, so after, after I'll change the bearings and everything, it's going to be a little tight and a little rigid for the first couple of flights as everything seats. But after the first three or four flights, it's back to what I expect with pretty crisp and, and direct inputs. But on a first brand new heli build, I try not to do a whole lot of tuning because I know like the dampeners have to seat and wear in a little bit and the bearings have to seat where they want to be. So uh, things might be a little bouncy at first for the first few flights <laughs> and then things will seat and be happy after that, at least in my experience from what I've seen. Yeah, it's such a great point. Don't don't start tuning right off the bat. Get some wear, get some bedding in on the heli. 
Yeah, because the dampeners have to sit where they want to. The the O rings have to wear in. The bearings, everything have to have to sit where they want to. Because we all fly floating spindles. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, the the spindle doesn't sit where it's supposed to in the in the head block all the time. It might be justified the left or the right. So until it's fully seated where it needs to be, it might bobble or uh, wobble or anything like that. Hmm. Interesting. That's actually a good point. I, I don't know why I never thought of that because I'll I'll get a brand new kit and I'll fly it and I'll try and tune it and I'll be like, man, it's a little messed up. And then like two three days later, I'm like, this thing flies good. Yeah, I mean, it, we we get that a lot at BK Hobbies. Like someone will call and, and build a heli and be like, man, one grip is super smooth and one is super tight. Well, yeah, it's because the spindle has no center point in the rotor head. Even if you tighten down both screws at the same time, it's probably justified one side versus the other. So one grip will be super loose and smooth and it'll be great. And the other one will be tight. And every time I tell someone, eh, go fly it for three flights and let me know how it goes. And for three, four flights, it's good to go. Both grips are smooth and uh, everything is happy because the, the spindle just has to find the center point after you fly it. Nice. Yeah, I never thought of that to apply to the head. Like, usually if there's a slight tail wag or something, I'll usually fly it out for, you know, five, six flights and then address it. Mm-hmm. But uh, And usually it goes away within, you know, some abuse. But, yeah, I never thought to apply it to the head. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yep. I'd usually tune it and I'll like it, and then a couple of days later, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works, huh? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. All right. So we got some other stuff that we're going to poke at here. Some things that are a little bit more, um, I guess, easier subjects, I guess. <laughs> things that some may apply just to the pilot, uh, maybe pilot specific. And then we're going to dive into like very V-bar specific stuff because that's really where our experience is. All right. So on here, we got something that says, you know, what is Expo and what does it do? So. If you imagine your control and your stick and your cyclic, for instance, a line that goes from negative 100 to 0 to 100 as you move the stick, and it moves along that that trajectory, I guess you can say. As you add expo, it turns it into an S, in essence, and it flattens out the center. And the reason you do that is to make it less sensitive to your inputs in the center of the stick position. Therefore, you gain accuracy. And then it still has the same total speed at the end of the, the stick stroke. Um, I said stick stroke. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We're going to get it. Oh, the end Here we of go. The... That's great. <laughs> that's the new intro. Yep. That's it. Done. <laughs> the end strokes of the stick. stick travel. <laughs> there you go. Um, and it just is a way to give you more accuracy around center um, to give you a little bit soft feel. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, personally, I run sometimes between 30 and 35. Just recently, that's how I like it. And I match the same for cyclic and tail. Yes, 100%. Uh, I agree with you on that one. It's just to kind of quote-unquote deaden the feeling around center is how i kind of explain it to people it's to make it a little bit more controllable around center it's for the fine-tune inputs i myself no matter what model it is i will run 30 percent on v-bar that's just what i put in right off the bat 30 percent on cyclic uh the default 50 percent on tail but 30 percent feels the most natural for me uh as far as how i'm just used to models flying uh, 30% feels natural so that when I'm doing literally any maneuver, I can give what my brain feels like is a small input <laughs> for a correction, and uh, 30% feels natural for me. So you kind of have to tune it. I can't give you a number that's going to work for you because it's 
that is one of the things that's 100% personal opinion feel. Like, I can't give you a number that's going to work because you might hate it. You might like it. Who knows? So that's one of those personal preference things. Yeah, I want to I want to throw something in here because uh, we have a couple guys at our field that feel like Expo is a crutch. Like they try to work away from Expo. And I don't think I mean, they shouldn't feel that way. I mean, I think it's it's like you said, Kyle, it's per the pilot. You know what I mean? It's how you you like the feel of it. So you got to make what works for you and don't look at it as like a crutch. You know what I mean? It's not a, you're not cheating. Yeah. I totally yeah. used to think that way and I'd always yeah. try and dial it to zero and I'd want like the fastest flipping helicopter with zero expo and it and in my mind at the time because I was young and stupid I thought <laughs> my fingers should be good enough not to make it twitchy and I was losing out on a lot of control not using expo because if the flip rate is so fast you really don't have a whole lot of stick travel before you get to that fast rate mm-hmm. so the faster the uh, I guess Agility, you can say, I guess that's V-bar term agility. So another gyros would be called rate, the more expo you should really have. So if you have, um, let's say V-bar terms, a rate of 120 and an expo of 30, it may feel the same way as expo of 10 on an agility of 90. Yeah, because true. when you move the stick a certain amount, that's where that agility number is with the expo applied. Yeah, if you want to get a little bit more in-depth, and this is going into like servo technology as well, if you're flying a coreless servo, one of the advantages of coreless servos is the off-center response. So, uh, shameless plug, if you're flying the Kyle Stacy edition servos. <laughs> what are those? They, Can you tell us about those? <laughs> no idea. No idea. Uh, they feature a coreless motor, and the coreless motor has a faster off-center response compared to a brushless motor. So you might find yourself using more Expo on a heli with cordless servos compared to brushless servos. So if you really dig deep into it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with Expo by any means. I highly recommend everyone tune with it and play with it to find the value you like. It's not a crutch by any means whatsoever. Uh, it should be used to your advantage to make the off-center feel uh, feel as you want it. Uh, I, I, I use it on every heli I have. 30% is my sweet spot. Some people use up to 50, 60, 70%. Once again, it's 100% personal. There's nothing wrong with using it. It's not a crutch. Highly recommended. One thing I would want to warn against going up to like 70% is when you start to get to the extremes of expo values, your slope at the end of the stick travel eventually turns into a cliff. So it's it's almost like an instantaneous change in roll rate when you start getting to the edge of the stick. So you'll have this zone that's really sketchy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I used when I uh, when I flew 3D airplanes, I didn't like having different flight modes. So I'd fly like 70% expo. And if I wanted to do like slow stuff, I'd just stay in the centers. And if I wanted to bang it around, you just go all the way to the ends of the sticks. It was like a whole different flight mode. <laughs> Pretty funny. I did that with, um, with race drones. Yeah. yeah. So you'd basically say a full flip was if you just click the side of the um, the cyclic ring, just smack it, just smack it in the yep. side of the cyclic, <laughs> and that was a full flip because you'd cross that expo barrier and it would just whip around, and then everything in the center was smooth. Hey, it's <laughs> way more efficient. You don't have to hit a switch then. It's way, right. way more efficient. <laughs> just wham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Good stuff. Uh, next thing we got in the list is pre-comps and how do you use them? So we covered that a little bit before um, with your governor stuff, your nitro governor pre-comps. Um, but let's talk about like elevator pre-comp and what you've normally seen and how you use that. Um, personally, if you're running like an average RPM, average RPM, I would say ranges from 2000 to like 2250, you probably don't have to adjust these. Uh, they're pretty good out the gate. Basically what it does is the pre-comp will add rudder based on the input you're given. So cyclic pre-comp will add rudder for your cycling input. Collective pre-comp will add rudder based on your collective inputs. So the best way to test this for collective pre-comp is put it in a hover. Uh, if it does a half fair wet, well, adjust your collective pre-comp uh, up or down, depending on uh, which direction it goes in. Um, that was tail pre-comp. Um, we were talking about uh, also elevator pre-comp. Like if you do a collective punch out pretty hard, um, you'll notice sometimes the tail will dip or it will not usually raise. Uh, typically the tail will dip when you punch out upwards and maybe go up when you punch downwards, assuming your CG isn't absolutely bang on perfect. And right. I'll use elevator pre-comp to dial that in to keep the tail flat when you do a very aggressive pitch pump. Um, normally I see it at very high RPM and high collective. You'll get it to do some some weird stuff. Agreed. Yep. Um, next thing we got is acceleration. So this is really referring to the tail. There's a value for tail acceleration. <clears throat> do you normally address that or no? No, I leave it at stock. Stock is really natural for me feeling. I don't have to attend the acceleration. It's as exactly as it sounds like. If you're going to give a, a rudder input and you want it to speed up faster than it is, then you raise the acceleration rate, and then uh, vice versa. But I run totally stock values on this one. I have bumped it before, typically on belted helis. Um, I'm scared to touch it too much on torque tube helis in case the gears decide to leave the party. <laughs> but i've had it before when i played with optimizer in the tail and i really just it wasn't what i thought it should be doing it felt a little bit sluggish um i'll boost the acceleration a little bit and then i'll boost the what they call stop gains as well um so the acceleration when you move the stick it's how long it takes to get from where you're at to the desired rotational speed and you can increase that if you want a very sharp fast tail um not overall speed but the speed from zero not to where your command input is and then stop gain is basically the inverse how hard it's going to come up to a stop after you've said all right i'm done moving now hold position um so again both of those i avoid touching on uh torque tube helis too much just in case because that snap torque can damage the, the drivetrain on torque tube helis uh, but belted helis you can kind of go a little nuts if you want and that's not to be confused with expo by any means. That's literally the rate from go the center feeling, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, we covered this charge and all that stuff before. So now we're getting into V-bar specific. Nice. So they changed the terms a little bit. So I guess I'm going to relate some of the V-bar terms to what they call them in normal fly bar, well, normal, quote-unquote, fly barless systems. <laughs> um, we already talked about optimizers. Mm -hmm. um, style. So the way I have seen it defined in the past with style is it doesn't really 
I guess, relate to other fly barless systems, but it's the feel of the helicopter. So they say a high style will make it feel very robotic, locked in. Um, some people say a little bit difficult to make it move. It wants to stay tracking where you left it kind of thing. Uh, and a low style will feel a little bit more fluid and vivid and dynamic. Um, personally, I used to leave my style at 100% across the board. Um, I didn't really mess with it, didn't want to change too much stuff. But about six months ago, I started tweaking and I kept dropping it, you know, 10, 10 points at a time to see what I thought and fly it around. And I found a happy spot right at 50. And it feels to me more like the simulator at 50. Hmm. That's, which is uh, counterintuitive that's, to what it should do. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, style is the one thing that I can't <laughs> can't really explain what it does. It's just literally, like you said, it's the feel. I can't explain what higher or lower does, other than just its base value of a higher style is more crisp, more locked in, and lower style is more uh, kind of vivid. Uh, for like real life values, I run eighty percent. For me, it's pretty crisp. It's good for smack and being super locked in. Uh, I know Bert runs all the way down at 40%. For him, that works just for, for how he likes to fly. So that's one of those things, just like Expo, where you got to play with it and find your desired value. But I like 80% because it's just super crisp, super locked in, and it's kind of, quote-unquote, like planted. Wherever I put it, like I know it's where it's going to be, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And one thing to keep in mind, too, some of these values really don't have any danger to play with. So like we talked about, um, you know, Expo, for instance, and um, the the uh, style of the, the tune setup, you're not going to crash your helicopter if you play around with your style. You can drop it to 15, 20, 30. And Expo, you can go anywhere from zero up to, like Kyle said, 70, 60, that ballpark range. Uh, it's not going to make your helicopter freak out like if you were to take the gain and drive it to, you know, 150% or something or something ridiculous. Um, they're very safe things to play around with. So go out. If you're bored, experiment, tweak around, try some numbers and see what they do. Yeah, I've known people who've flown style all the way up at 120 and loved it. And then, you know... My boy Bert flies it at forty percent, and and he loves it. So that is another thing, just like Expo, where it's a hundred percent. You know, uh, all about your preference. feel. Yeah. yeah, yep, definitely. And agility. So this is the same. We kind of talked about it before as rate with other fly barless systems. Um, this is one that you can play with within reason. Um, I would say that for a newer pilot, I would not boost that too high because, say, if you go up to like. 130 140 um if you're new at flying it you may get in trouble with like pilot induced oscillation you know left right left right left right trying to fight the model because it's moving so quick um so be cautious with that one bump up in small increments if you want to increase it um and as you increase that you'll probably want to boost your expo a little bit to get the same center feel if that's what you want Um, but basically it's rotational speed of the helicopter and I've read somewhere that with V-Bar, the value equated to um, rotations. So like a 120 agility would equate to 1.2 rotations per second. Is that accurate? I've never heard that. Uh, It could be true. 
I have, I have no idea. I don't know what these numbers really equate to. I just, <laughs> I just know what yeah. I use, really. That was really the struggle was no, no one really knew what that meant as far as degrees per second, because I believe most other fly barless systems operate in degrees per second. Correct. And trying to push a model, you know, 360 degrees per second really is not going to happen unless it's a small model. Like trying to get a 700 to do that really doesn't happen. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it's a 12-pound model with anywhere from 170 to 190 grams blade per side, and then moving it at 360 degrees to stop without bouncing back and bobbling. It's a it's, bit it's of a, a big challenge. ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're asking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that people sometimes do with their tune, um, they'll take that value and they will overdrive it. So they'll set, you know, 370 degrees per second. It'll never actually get there in reality, but they like the way the heli responds off center because of that aggression. Because you'll get that movement initially. So you can get a really snappy model. Um, but as soon as it moves off center, it can't maintain. You'll just get a lot of blade fart noises and, and basically you're running out of collective cyclic on the machine in order to uh, maintain that roll rate. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would agree. The, the agility for me, I tune it just by pegging full aileron versus full elevator, or actually both pegging full aileron and full elevator to tune that to what I want it to be for the rate. And generally, I settle at about 120 to 122. Uh, Bird and I run the exact same values as far as that goes. For those of you interested, I asked Kenny Ko, uh, the previous world champion, what he runs, and he, <laughs> he runs it all the way up at 144, according oh, to him. Wow. 144, wow. way up there. And 144 is quite high, so I don't think his <laughs> heli can, can reach that sustain, so I'm assuming he uses 144 for the off-center feeling, like Scott was just mentioning. Um, I think Can Punai runs about 145 to 150. Same, once again, the, the same off-center feeling. So I would say a good starting point is 100, and then work your way up or down from there for your personal feeling, right? Agreed. Yeah, I think I, I started playing with that two years ago in Florida, and I did the same same crap. I was like, oh, let's see what how high it goes. I got up to 140, <laughs> and 140 was, was interesting. And then yeah. over the next couple months, I bumped it back down, and now I'm at 120. And that seems like a really happy, fast, it's good. You know, there's no issues with it, and seems controllable. The model seems happier. So. Yeah, yeah, 120 is a good, like, natural point, I would say. Anything like 140, it's really pushing it to get to that rate. Yeah. Yeah, it was making all sorts of noise. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and then Paddle Sim. Hmm. Do you use it? I do not. Uh, Paddle Sim, from a very <clears throat> distant point of view, Paddle Sim is just um the off-center feel when you jab the cyclic in a very fast uh fast motion uh for those of you that flew paddle helis you'll know a fly bar heli was very quick very fast very light feeling uh if you jab the cyclic really fast it's going to react really fast if you have paddle sim on i run zero percent so paddle sim is off the default value is like 10 i think mm -hmm. that's actually the first thing that changes i turn it off immediately just because for me it's it's it doesn't work for my style but the higher you go, the faster it will react. If you give, uh, if you give a really quick psychic input, uh, it's another one of those things. Personal, so how, personal input. What's the separation between that and like Expo? 
I would say paddle sim more relates to like really quick inputs where expo relates to small inputs around center. So if you're jabbing the cyclic, that's where paddle sim comes into effect. I see. If you're giving really small center inputs, that's where expo comes into effect. Yeah, I would almost say it, it's almost like the tail acceleration. It's like boosting that, but it's for the disc. Right. It's exactly. like if you give it a, an input quick, it will move quick off center with a, with a higher paddle sim. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So pad- paddle sim would be more ideal for like the pop and lock kind of style. Yeah, Dan yeah. Murnane. <laughs> Dan Murnane boy yeah. runs two hundred percent paddle sim. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if Bert uses any. I would, I, I would think he does run some. I don't even remember at this point, but yeah, it's really good for like you said, Mike, uh, the pop and lock sort of thing. It, it works great for that. If you're into that style, it's perfect. If you're into more like maybe that precise kind of uh, maybe like FAI or even like F3N sort of flying, then you definitely do not want to use pedal sim by any means. I played with yeah. it a little bit. I didn't I didn't go to the extremes, but I didn't feel a huge difference. I used to zero it out and now I just leave it at 10. I hit um, style at 50, paddle sim at 10 and leave it where it's at. It really didn't seem to change a whole lot. Right, I think you have to go up to like 20 or 30 to really see a huge difference. I've flown helis at 10, and I didn't even know it was on, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I just always turn it off naturally. But anywhere from like 10 to 15, I think it's kind of, you might even think it's an expo sort of thing, depending on the heli. So, hmm. yeah. I think I'm going to go revisit that and bump it up to like 60 and see what happens. You should, and then let me know. I'll let you know if it explodes. <laughs> Full 200. <laughs> Full 200. Dan Murnane. Well, that's what it does. It goes 189. Make sure you have a camera. 199. Dan Murnane. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, what yeah. about heli size? I noticed there's a section there. Typically, it's pre-filled when you choose what size heli you know, your, your model setup is. Um, do you ever tweak that? So heli size is basically a multiplier for all of the internal gains, like we talked about earlier, PI and D. Mm -hmm. So when you first set up a V-bar, whether it's any of them, Neo, Mini, full size, it's going to ask you what model you're using. Either you choose Logo 700 or other 700, 500, 600, whatever, and you go based on that. And I have never tuned it. Um, Personally, I just choose whatever is closest. Like if I'm setting up a Fireball, I'll choose other 450. And it's really close enough to being uh, to being right for me. I've I've just never tuned this value before, but it, it's a multiplier for all of the PIND uh, gains for the internal gyro settings. Okay, so we're gonna skip one section ahead to bring in um, collective balance because I want to tie that into initial setup as well. Um, so collective balance is another value that. Um, basically tries to prevent the model from ballooning in the air. So if you give a lot of cyclic and collective, it may blow out and balloon at high speeds. Um, Typically, I will disable that. Um, I'll bring it to a value of 50, which turns it off uh, for the most part. It's always on a little bit. Um, And basically what that allows, it allows the pilot to input more collective while giving lots of cyclic. It tries to prevent that action. Um, you'll notice if you move your cyclic uh, 
sorry, your collective all the way up to full positive. And then let's say you pull full back elevator. The swash will drop to almost center on most models, uh, taking out most of the collectives. So that way you don't have one blade at like, you know, 30 degrees of pitch or something ridiculous. Um, the downside to that is if you're doing a maneuver very close to the ground and you give it hard collective and hard cyclic to maybe catch it right at the ground or make an abrupt, you know, fart maneuver or whatever, that kind of thing, uh, it may actually pull your input and prevent you from rotating the model back to flat before contacting the ground. Um, but on the downside is if maybe you don't have the best collective management, um, you may have a situation where you give too much cyclic and too much collective at one time, um, bogging or possibly boom striking the model. Um, would you agree? Yes, 100%. This collective balance is the anti-ballooning system for, which I think was first kind of developed for speed flying. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing like a uh, anywhere from left to right or right to left pass with full collective, you might notice that the model will do like uh, uh, a nose up pitch up. And this collective balance is designed to kind of help prevent that if you start introducing a lot of cyclic. But since I don't do that, I just kind of do a bunch of smack and <laughs> a little bit of big flying here and there. Uh, like Scott, I crank the volume all the way up, or not the volume. I create the, I crank the the collective balance all the way up to 50, and that more or less turns it off. It doesn't entirely turn it off, like you said, mm -hmm. but I eliminate it as best I can so that I get the most direct cyclic and collective feeling that I can get. And that leads me to my my question where I wanted to rearrange it. So I've been toying with the idea of taking the eight degrees of pitch and bumping that up to somewhere in the ballpark of 10 um, in order, you know, when I set my cyclic uh, and then set my positive and negative collective. And now when I move the stick a certain amount, um, I'm thinking that will make collective balance go away even more because when I'm at full deflection in the swash as much as I want, uh, it will think it's not as aggressive as it really is in reality and it won't pull collective or cyclic during that collective balance correction. Well, so I've played with that going up and down on collective range overall from eight mm -hmm. degrees up to 10 degrees and then even below eight degrees. And what I found is that if you go above the eight degrees window, the negative side effect is that it overreacts on those quick jab cyclic inputs. So if you're just on the deck giving quick cyclic inputs, it way overreacts because it uses that eight degrees as a reference for everything in flight, whether that's heading hold or quick inputs or small inputs or everything. It uses that eight degrees as a reference point. Mm -hmm. So if you go above eight degrees, you might notice that in the in some aspects it's better, but in other aspects it kind of hinders the performance because you give a quick input and it'll over rotate farther than you want it to. But then could that be compensated with with your other gains, your PIDs? It could be. I never really dove into it. Uh, I left my my values all at what they were, and I cranked up the sucker pitch and was like, uh, nope, and back, <laughs> back down. So okay. it could be. If you went in a little bit deeper with your tuning, you could, yeah, perhaps fix it out. Yep. I was a little curious. Not sure. I mean, it's it's not recommended really for, for I guess, most users. Um, uh -huh. I probably shouldn't even be messing with it at all, to be honest, but <laughs> I was just curious on how to completely get rid of collective balance because that that value I really only discovered last year and changing that value made the model respond entirely different. And it, it felt very good for my flying style. And I'm just curious if there's maybe 10% more I could maybe eke out of it that I might enjoy. 
Well, you might you might actually prefer the 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 benefits of going up on cyclic pitch then. But you might just have to tune not only your expo, but maybe turn the rest of your game all the way off that. Right. Yeah, you might have to back everything down at that point. Right. Might be worth uh, experimenting. We'll see. <laughs> Again, I'll let you know if it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a common Perfect. theme here. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's next? Uh, pitch pump. You you do like pitch pump? I've heard pitch pump is where if you give a collective input, um, if it's a fast collective input, it will give you a little bit extra collective uh, during that moment and then return back to the value that you're actually requesting. Uh, really to improve hard stops or you know a very bursty takeoff kind of thing. Correct. I use that more nowadays than I ever did before, since my fingers are slowing down a bit, since they were back in when I was 17 or so. Uh, I use a value of 10%, and it does exactly what you said. If your total collective pitch range is set to something like 13 degrees, collective uh, pitch pump could increase it to like 13 and a half, maybe 14, uh, just for a quick moment when you hit the pitch really fast. So I use 10% across all models, and that just kind of helps me stop stuff. Uh, on a dime. Okay. Hmm. So I've I kind of experimented with it, not really. Um, I ended up going the opposite route. I have zero pitch pump, but I use 15 degrees of collective. So I'm losing resolution. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing resolution because, you know, I don't use that, the endpoints, like, ever, except when I stop. Uh-huh. Um, but it, basically, in my zone that I'm using is now smaller. So you get a bigger resolution zone where you're using your collective because you can use the whole stick most of the time um correct right like if you look at my radio when i'm flying when i do stuff like hurricanes i use just about all of the pitch window to drive it through that hurricane where my total pitch window is anywhere from 12 and a half maybe up to 13 degrees and then i'll use pitch pump to get myself like 13 and a half to 14 degrees maybe i've never measured it but yeah i like to usually use less collective pitch so i can really lean on it and slam on it and use the whole stick rather than kind of finesse and and use you know kind of the way you're approaching it where you have more pitch overall and you tune it based on what you need to do with it right Mm mm-hmm it's a little bit like expo versus not expo. I went about yep. it the wrong way without expo, and you've got expo in yours with collective. Val- I mean, uh, with pitch bump. Yeah, I mean, it really is if you think about it. If you, yeah, it really is. Yep. Yeah, I got to experiment a little bit more with that and see if see if there's a benefit. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, what else we got? We got Kevin adding some stuff here. <laughs> you better hide the what. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Uh-oh. You have to say it now. Oh, God. Now I got it. We've got governor-specific tuning, and it's got AR idle, and he's added, y'all better idle this virus. He's talking Southern now because he has a Dodge truck. Oh, this is good. I, I wish that's we could. funny. It's not even me. That's awesome. I know. We're, we're going to have to name your truck. Its name's now Mater. <laughs> tuh, Mater without the tuh. I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's great. Oh, uh, anyway, AR idle. That is your auto rotation idle. And what that is, is when you're flying, say, a nitro, and you're, you can do it with electric too, I guess. But as you're flying around and you come into an auto, it's going to hold your auto rotation at a, a certain value. So for nitro guys, you may do this just a little bit above idle so it doesn't quit, especially if you're flying YS. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> or if it's an electric, you're going to hold it at the bailout value. And for instance, that would be, I think it's like 43% is what I run on a, a hobby wing. Um, that's the point where it's just below where the motor will actually turn and run. Uh, like if I go to 44 or 45, the motor will start to spin. Um, <clears throat> but that holds it in auto rotation bailout. So when you flip back into flight mode, the ESC knows that you didn't go full off and we're going to do a quick spool and bail out of that auto. Um, anything else to add to that? No, you nailed it. Um, AR bailout is, or AR idle, depending on how you read it. It's really super beneficial if you're using VBAR governor, because it will keep, depending on what value you put, it'll keep the motor spinning at a super low RPM. So when I was using VBAR gov on electric, this was a lot of fun to play with. I would crank it up to a relatively high number, maybe somewhere in the 50% range. And I could just literally auto as long as I wanted. Because the, <laughs> the blades, the blades are spinning at like 800 to 900 RPM, regardless. So you could really do some fun autos that way. So it's kind of fun to play with, just to kind of mess around with it and, and change what your your blades are going to stay at in that specific mode. But that is definitely a V bar specific value. Like you won't find that value for that name or nomenclature in a different gyro. I try and use that too. If I'm teaching someone to auto, I'll set it to the point where it just sinks at full collective. It sinks slow. Yes. And then I'll send them to go try and do autos and walk them through it. And they'll, if they screw up, like worst case, full collective sits it down, not perfectly soft, but it's not going to break anything. Yeah. And that's a really good idea. Them, yeah. Gives them like a yeah. pillow, safety pillow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, next one is run up speed. Um, so this one mostly used on nitros again or gas models. Um, the run-up speed will dictate how fast when you go from hold, uh, you know, full off hold to run, how fast it'll spool up to the desired RPM in governor mode. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the lower the number, the slower the spool up. Am I right? As far as I remember, yes. <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah, I think you're right. There's not a huge difference I've seen from, from tweaking it, because I tried to get my gasser to spool up a little slower, and I believe I went from 5 to 3, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it didn't seem to do a whole whole lot of difference, uh -huh. <laughs> at least with gassers, because the first like 30% of their throttle travel is 0 to 100, basically, so they're really hard to get right anyway. Right. Um, but for nitros, I really don't mess with it too much. It seems pretty bang on for most nitros. Uh, for electric, that is the handoff point. Uh, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, if you're using V-Bar Governor with any ESC, whether that's Contratronic, Castle, Hobbywing, Scorpion, whatever, the ESC starts to spool to whatever value that is. That's the initial slow, soft spool, as you'll see. And the run-up point is when the ESC hands it to the V-Bar to continue to spool up all the way up to the desired RPM. So you might have to tune the, the run-up limit so that it's kind of a continuous, smooth... Uh, handoff rate, so to speak. Cool. <clears throat> I didn't actually know that about electric, so yeah. <laughs> I've actually not used VBAR Gov with an electric yet. Only Nitro Gov with with uh, VBAR. Right. Um, another one that uh, I'm a little little light on is basic throttle. I've used it before when we're running a governor model for a nitro and the sensor has failed or the sensor is not rigged up right. Um, if we don't do V-curves, we can boost basic throttle and it basically raises the center point on the V-curve. Um, 
I do not know how that functions, though, while Governor is active. I personally don't 100% know either. Back in the day, I know that if you took basic throttle and ran it at 100%, it basically ran you at a flat 100% curve, especially on Nitro. Uh, back in the day, I was pretty tight with the famous Tim Jones, and he was quite famous for never using a governor. And he took basic throttle and cranked that thing all the way up, and he ran just a flat curve. So back in the day, that's what it's did. What it did. I know that Mikado has since released apps to do your own throttle curves as you see fit uh, without using a governor mode, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of like an, not an outdated value to adjust, but I don't think it needs to be played with anymore. So. Okay. Um, like I said, we've done it when the sensor fails or if we don't plug it in. Um, it might be worth looking at if you want to set up a decent throttle curve for when you're, uh, you know, if you don't want to use curves, you want to use governor, but you want to set your minimum point. So if your sensor fails for some reason, uh, it doesn't bog too much in the air. So maybe unplug the RPM sensor, fly it around, set your basic throttle, then plug it back in and forget it exists. And then if for some reason the sensor falls out or fails, you fall back on this uh, pseudo V-curve inside the radio, and you can still kind of fly around without a major change in head speed. Exactly. Um, Next one's min throttle. We covered that already. Uh, Collective add, we did that as well. And collective dynamic. That one I have no clue. (laughs) So I'll let you take that Um, one. Collective dynamic, I had to look this one up because I've never tuned it personally. But from what I understand, collective dynamic can be kind of combined, or not combined, compared to like pitch bump, mm-hmm. where if you give a really fast collective input, uh, collective dynamic will very quickly increase your throttle output. Uh, it's basically a pitch pump for your throttle servo or throttle output or anything like that. So if you find yourself giving really fast collective inputs and the motor's just not keeping up, perhaps you want to tune collective dynamic to to boost the throttle temporarily. It's not to be confused with collective dynamic, which is tuned with full collective punch out. Collective add. Right. Yeah, yeah sorry, collective yeah. add. It's just uh it's just a value for very fast collective inputs. Okay. So like a momentary boost. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I got to try that on the gasser as well and see how that works. Might be fun to play with. Right. Yeah, it might help. Might do a lot. Yeah. Cool. So that's uh, that's our list of things we wanted to cover for V-Bar. Um, is there anything that you feel we may have missed as far as what you do with a new heli or uh, what someone may want to look for if their heli is maybe not flying right? Ah, man, this is a broad one right there. That is a broad one. I broadened the end of that a lot there. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Man, um, I don't know. I think that the thing that people really need to look at closely, honestly, is just, this is going to sound weird, but mechanical stuff. Like, when people email me or reach out to me directly about strange fly brothers characteristics and i help them tune it it really comes down to a lot of mechanical stuff either the dampening is too loose or too tight or there's something else going on so if you can't if you can't tune something out with gyro gain or the optimizer value then you've got something mechanical going on uh if it just in general feels weird like there's no bounce back there's no oscillations there's no none of that but it just doesn't feel right to you then like we talked about before play with the style a little bit uh change it drastically there's no there's no bad number like if you go too low it's not going to explode if you not if you go too high it's not going to explode like there's no bad number 
to reach. So go way up, go way down and, and just kind of see what it does. Like the style number is the most forgiving value you can tune on the V-Bar. Wouldn't you agree, Scott? Agreed. And don't be scared to try and tune it. I've had numerous people ask me about what to change because they're very worried that they're going to explode their helicopters because they they made a change. Um, typically, you're not going to put your heli into a situation where it's completely uncontrollable unless you go like 30 points of a difference on a gain change. Um, you know, head or tail, like say your default value in the tail is 80 and you go to like 95 or 100, it might get a little sketchy and do some stuff that you don't expect. It's like wag the tail incredibly fast. Or the opposite is true if you drop down to like 30 on the tail gain. Uh, it may be drifty. It may be uncontrollable. You'll, you'll give it collective either direction. The tail will blow out either which direction. Um, so be cautious of some adjustments but don't be scared to try and tune your helicopter if you stay within say a 20 percent window on your gains you're not going to crash your heli if it's already flying okay yeah and if you find yourself where you do something and suddenly it's bobbling super excessively or the tail is going absolutely nuts the fastest fix to get it out of that is hit throttle hold and <laughs> hopefully by that point you can do some <laughs> autos and bring it back in but uh rpm is a super big uh factor when it comes to any sort of fly brothers tuning so if you change something drastically and it suddenly freaks out just hit hold and and bring it back in because the sudden drop in rpm should calm it down from whatever it's doing true nice yep and then another thing to keep in mind too is if you're using v-bar there's different banks other radio systems may have different idle ups or tune settings um so sometimes if i'm scared of a certain value and i don't know what it's going to do i'll put it on bank three for instance and i'll fly in two i'll bring it away from the ground or anything i can hit that's very solid <laughs> and I'll, I'll flip it into bank three and I'll, I'll see what happens and if the thing loses its mind and spazzes out i flip back to two and everything's fine it's back to a normal tune value so experiment with that too if you want to play with a value that you don't really know what it does um just make sure you're in a safe place it's controlled you're above the ground you don't you know plenty of altitude so if it goes nuts you got time to flick back into two and uh yeah play with it figure out what this stuff does that's a good point yeah yeah. yeah, very good point. Another thing I just thought of is if you're flying a multi-bladed rotor head, anything above two blades, make sure you set your main rotor gain very low. Uh, for reference, if you're flying a Goblin 700 Kyle Stacey Edition with V-Bar Neo, set your gain right at 40% in tune from there. Uh, the more blades that you add, the less cyclic gain you need because you have mechanical stability going forward. So yeah. the more blades, the less gain. And be careful with your agility too, right? Because they can maintain a faster roll rate. Depending on the blades. Uh, I've really found that uh, the agility you set is very consistent with two blades, three blades, no matter what you got. Okay. Whenever I've had someone come up and, uh, you know, they asked me to try out their heli or whatever, nine mm -hmm. times out of ten, it's a three blade. It rolls like crazy. I can't even believe how quick it rolls. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. I, I think it was a Kyle Stacy edition that I flew before for a guy named Scott at RCHO. And I don't know what the values were because it was a uh, an icon. Um, so we, we had to plug it into a computer and adjust it. But I don't have a reference to what it would have been on V-Bar. But it was exciting, to say the least, when I flew it. Like, it was rolling as fast as mine at full deflection, and his was at, like, half stick. Well, it could be, yeah, because the blades, as they should be, uh, included with any three blade kit should be significantly lighter. So if we throw in an arbitrary value, it might roll faster than it, you know, it really say it, it really like should be, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> They've been pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Cool. Yeah. Man, awesome. you guys dug into that pretty good. Man, yeah. I, you know, I, of course, you know, Ben, he's uh, the guy I fly with here. And you know, Ben Connor, he's, you know, new to Neo. And, uh, and you guys started in and I messaged him. I was like, dude, I'm like, you're going to love this episode because you, you guys definitely <laughs> dug into some places that I know he's going to enjoy messing around with this. So very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We could have kept going too if you really think about it. Yeah, there's so many yeah. more. You can fire up a Neo yeah. now and go through the radio. There's, there's so many menus. To, yeah. I was about to. Yeah, there's so much more we didn't even get to yet. Yeah. Very cool. Next time. Do you guys have anything to add before we go? I think that covers it. Like, awesome. At least what we went on to do is surface level, kind of hit some yeah. stuff that are common questions. I think we nailed most of them. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. It was good. Awesome. Well, Kyle, man, dude, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I, I know you and I have been trying to nail this down for a while now, but, uh, man, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad we could uh, meet up and do this, and uh, we, we appreciate you very much for coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. It was uh, it was a good time. I'm glad we could cover a topic like this for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks, dude. It's yeah. a fun for one. For sure. Yeah, good times. So, as usual, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? They don't. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. No, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at kylestacyrc at gmail.com. Or if you just want to follow along with my uh, antics, it's uh, facebook.com slash kylestacyrc. Nice. And Very cool. I don't want Bert to be upset if I don't ask you, uh, what about your intro <laughs> game? <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I don't even know what it is. I think it's just Kyle Stacy. Uh, it could be public or private. I don't know what it is anymore. In your, in your tweeter? I don't think I have your one. Tweeter account? <laughs> I don't think I have one, Sweeter. but if I do, it's probably just Kyle Stacy. <laughs> oh, man. That's fine. Very cool. Nice. Well, uh, if you would like to get in touch with us here at the Helihead Show, uh, you can email us at theheliheadshow at gmail.com. If you'd like to be an average Joe or have questions or show ideas, shoot us an email. We would love to hear from you. And again, thank you for uh, listening. Um, you guys want to go through some podcasters? Yeah, sure. Why not? I know uh, Kyle wants to do one of these for sure. Oh, so should we test Kyle? Mm, I think we should. Mm. Oh, I like that idea. Mike, okay. hit it. <laughs> so who are the hosts of Free Fall RC podcast? Steve and Kevin. And, and there's an and. I don't know why I have that word. A what? <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Andy. Oh, yeah, Andy, Andy, yeah. Yep. Okay. And we have uh, a new one, George. Yeah. George, George Baker, I think it is. Yeah, they finally announced it, so congratulations, George. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Should have ran when you had the chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So how about uh, Telerotor Podcast? Um, that would be uh, Shaggy. Yeah. And then uh, the Big Monty. The Big Mont. Mm. Yep. The yeah. Full Monty. Sorry. The that's, full that's what it goes by. <laughs> the Full Monty. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Rhymes with Apollo and starts with a D. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> yep. Nadia. Mike Detala. Yep. 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 And then, of course, uh, recently added is Rich. So, uh, yeah, he's a newer person on their podcast. Don't so. worry, Kyle. We don't get any of these either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right on the spot, man. <laughs> well, we might have an easy one for you, but we'll see if you get it correct. Mike. Okay. The BK podcast. No idea. I heard they suck. Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie. That's great. Uh, hey, uh, sea bags over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. So, uh, how about Skids Up? Have you heard of those guys? Skids Up. That would be uh, Javier, Javier, and Frank, perhaps. Yeah, yep, that's two of them. You mean there's there's more? Okay. Um, <laughs> drawing a blank on that one. So, go ahead, Mike. Uh, then we have Paul and Scott. Yeah. Scott Lower and... What yeah, is K- Paul's K-Jinelli. last name? I don't know Paul's last name, but Paul is actually the one who runs the podcast. Uh, and, of course, Javier, Frank, and Scott, you know, join him on that. Scott Lower, of course, Scott Lower is from Cajun uh, Aircraft. I always say Cajun Heli, but it's Cajun Aircraft. Hmm. And uh, so you can get all your, some parts there. Nice. But uh, then we have uh, a different one here. Go ahead, Scott. Give us your best accent. <laughs> it's inverted down under. Who are they, Kyle? Inverted down under? <laughs> yeah. Have you heard no of that one? No? Poor no. Kyle. Under. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You, it's okay. You can say I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Mike. Oh, no. Be- oh, you want to do it? Okay. Do it's it. Ozzy Muzzy and Jeff Smart. Jeff Smart. That's right. Jeff Smart. There you go. You know, what's funny is I know both of those dudes personally. They're good dudes. And I didn't know they had a podcast. So that's yeah. quite embarrassing. Yeah. Quite embarrassing. It's a good podcast. It is. That's what, we're, that's what we're here for, Kyle. We're here to embarrass everybody. <laughs> that's good. Oh gosh! What what else we got? Uh, RC Roundtable. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. God. Once it's, again, it's uh, Fitz, Terry, and Lee. I'll help you on that one because they're they're more of a planker podcast. So yeah. Ah, okay. I that's have no fun. chance. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, we have the AMA podcast, and I will not feel bad if you don't get his name because I didn't know it for the longest time. It, it took us like seven episodes to finally write it down. Right. We um, the name ones. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Tyler Dobbs. Is that one? No. Mm. No, he was a guest. I watched the yeah. FAA one. Not a good I think that's who we said before as well. Yeah, something. <laughs> David something. <laughs> guy's getting some major cred over here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's actually Matt Ruddick. Yeah. Ah, that sounds right. Yeah. So now I'm going to really test you. You ready for this? Okay. All right. Mm. We'll see. We'll just see how how old school you really are. So in our archived podcasts, we have RC Today Show, or formerly Inside Heli. Who are they? (laughs) Uh, I feel bad. I don't know either. No idea. No? Okay. That's all right. Uh, It was Chris, Bobby, and James. So, yeah. Uh, I got faith in you on this next one. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, it's gonna be RCHN 2.0. Oh, 
Oh, man. That is uh, a Dan, a Jesse, a Justin, and a Nick. You got it. And Sage, Sage came in on the last, Sage. Sage, the last yeah, yeah. episode. Yeah, he was right at the end, yep. And then we have the RC Heli hooligans. There was a, a Walt, Walt Rager, is that yep. it? Yep, mm-hmm. And then, I don't know anyone else. I know that Walt was involved, though. Yeah. Uh, Ed. 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 Yep, that's right. Ed. He sounds right. Yep. All right, Mike. Hit us with it. So, (laughs) Kyle, (laughs) if you wanted to pleasure your eyeballs, (laughs) if you wanted to meticulously molest your occipital lobes, this could go many directions here, brother. Keep going. What, where would you go to do that? <laughs> Are we keeping this like PG? Or is, that too wide, is that too wide open for you? <laughs> a little bit too wide. Let's narrow it down just a little bit. All right. So we we got a guy who, who has a YouTube channel. He, he likes to film uh, helicopter flights. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he likes to say, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, so this is a guy that pimps his YouTube channel at every event he goes to, right? Yeah. yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Wow, so some people's cars. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, are, we talking <laughs> about, are we talking about Mr. Bill Ann here? Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. There we go. Bill Ann. That's oh, my yeah. boy. He's a, he's a good dude. I love yeah. Bill. He's a good dude. He's so, very good at pleasuring eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's, this one's going to really test how often you listen to the Helihead show. Okay. Ooh. Go ahead. Don't hate me. All right. So, if you wanted to uh, do some slice and bake cookies or uh, learn how to make a frozen pizza, for instance, (laughs) what would you do? What? (laughs) (laughs) Late at night. Oh, God. Late night. Uh, couldn't our, tell you. It's oh, our buddy man. Bill. He's yeah. got a second YouTube channel. It's does he really? Yeah, it's late night cooking with Bill Ann. Does he really? Yeah, he yeah. makes slice and bake cookies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, it's uh, eleven forty two as we record this, so I'm gonna go check that out. <laughs> there you go, man. You better I mean, hope Walmart has slice of big cookies left. Right. That's if they have any <laughs> yeah. left. Yeah. Yeah, if they have anything left at this point. No, so Bill does have another uh, YouTube channel. I think it's actually like RC car stuff. And we've been uh, had this ongoing joke that it's a late night cooking channel for everybody. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Airplane's <That's> awesome. <laughs> nice. Bill and two. I've heard about that one. Bill yeah, and two. Bill and two. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well. See? You're learning stuff today. Always. Yeah. Learn something new about, every day. Uh, has you heard about Bill Ann 3? <laughs> 3D printing with Bill Ann? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and there might even printing. be, there might even be like a Bill Ann 4, you know, fun with tanks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but there is another one. All right. Yeah. It's Bill, Bill's that? buddy. Uh, it's Drunk Gaming with Kevin Teschner. that's great that's funny yep so tune into those folks i don't know how you'll find the drunk gaming with kevin teschner uh but good luck 
So if you do, send us a link. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's <laughs> yep. not mess around. Bert needs to do a YouTube channel. <laughs> no kidding, man. They just turn the camera on in their shop and let it roll. Yep. <laughs> Late night rants with Bert. <laughs> right. That would I be imagine awesome. it would be like, uh, what was that, West Coast Choppers or something, or East Coast Choppers? Orange County Choppers. That was Orange it. County, there it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yelling at each other in the shop. That's what we do, man. We just yell at each other all day. It's great. That's awesome. Oh, be great. Yeah. Too funny. Well. Uh, we started naming off events and, uh, was just to sort of help keep pushing these events in front of people's, you know, well, ears instead of faces, but anyways, uh, so they would just you know, be reminded constantly of, of when they are. However, we do have some changes here, don't we? Yeah. So unfortunately, uh, it sounds like Birmingham doing the ditch has been canceled. So that's a real bummer. Uh, cause that's a good one. Mm-hmm. So. That's supposed to be this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's too bad. Um, when was the last time you were there, Kyle? 2007? Uh, 2008? Somewhere in there? No, it, no, 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 no. 17? I went, I went, uh, yeah, 17. 17 18? or 18. I went, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went with Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. The weather always sucks there. Nothing against them. It's just that time of year, I think, in that time, that part of Alabama. It's just always rainy and kind of nasty. When great, I went last year, it was great so flight. Windy. Yeah. Yeah. Great flight That's with it. that N7 too, man. The video that Matt Botus took of you. Oh, uh, yeah. Man, I, I watched that one, I mean, lots of times. It was it's such a good <laughs> video. The quality of the video is so good too that it's like you can kind of see every detail. And uh, yeah, it's very cool. That was a good flight. Yeah. Is that yeah. King of Nitro video? Maybe. I believe so, yeah. Something like yeah, that. that was a good year. We were hanging out with Matt that year. Bobby and I were both flying the, the Synergy N7s that year. Yeah. It was very cool. It was very cool. Nice. Thank you. So, uh, Huntsville, uh, I haven't seen any cancellations, but that is April 24th through 26th. And, yeah, uh, yeah we've been there. Daniel, Gucci, and I, we've been to that one. That's, that was a lot of fun, too. We had a good time. So, um, and then we got uh, Spring Fling, which is uh, April 29th through May 3rd this year. And I think that one is still a go as far as I know. Yeah, I don't think it's been... Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I love that one. But we uh, are the bearer of bad news. Uh, mm. Mike, take it over. Uh, yeah, so this has not been canceled yet, but we have Joe Knoll, which is May 8th through the 16th. Uh, we had to make a grown-up decision. And with everything going on, we didn't want to risk losing all the money we had invested in the camper and stuff. So we actually canceled our trip uh, for the group that I was going with. Yeah. Uh, And we're going to try again next year because if we didn't cancel it by the beginning of April, then we would have lost all of our money. We wouldn't be able to get refunded on anything. So, yeah. It uh, wasn't worth the risk because I don't know how stuff's going to work out. It Right now, it doesn't look good. So, yeah. uh, hopefully next year we can make it happen. So, Well, they've even you know said, too, it's, uh, of course, we're a little uh, hazy on the date, but it was somewhere between April 1st and 5th, I think, or something like that. that they're going to post whether or not they're going to continue with having Joan all. So, it definitely is, you know, kind of sketchy at the moment. So, right. you know, yeah. So no one can blame you. I mean, that, that you you put up a lot of money, and uh, you know, I'd I'd hate for you to lose that too, man. So 
Yeah. Yeah, it was a big trip. Yeah, so, so Joe Nall, not so great again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's the new hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, uh, Heli Domination. Plank- What's that? I was going to say, hashtag, the plankers can have it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, then we got Heli Domination. Where is Heli Domination? It's in Virginia. Is it in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, Cliff... Uh, what's his last name? Silo? Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, I think you met him in North Carolina. You mean Cliff Lewis? Yeah. No. Is it Cliff... Oh yeah, Cliff. maybe it is Cliff Lewis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. Okay. Yeah. That's May fifteenth uh, to the seventeenth. Yeah. Uh, of course, then we've got the Freefall RC Helifest, uh, May 29th through the thirty first. Um, I think that the Corona Geddon will not stop those guys. I'm pretty sure they will press on. Um, Kevin will just have enough drinks where the coronavirus will have nothing to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> It'll steer clear. Uh, right. <laughs> so then we got the Cincy Smackdown up there in Canada, June 4th through the 7th. And uh, then we've got Scott's event. That's not really your That's event. That's not my event. But, no, what? but you're going to attend this next one. Where, where are you going? This is the F3N, F3C competition in Goldsboro, North Carolina, June 26th and 28th. Yeah. And you will be going too, buddy. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> um, yeah, make sure make sure you come to that event so you can get Scott Graham's autograph. What? It's worth, it's worth See money. me explode one into the dirt? <laughs> Scott, you're, signing, <laughs> you're signing canopies now, Scott? No, I'm signing the ground with my blades. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle Stacy will be there too, competing. Yes, he will be competing alongside, kicking my yeah, butt. Because he knows how to hover. This Ooh. isn't hovering. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> you know, if you want to get Dude. into this hobby and have a purpose, this is a great way to do it. So get your friends involved, people. And yeah, uh, yeah. let's uh, let's see more more competitors. But anyway, it's supposed to be a really a lot of fun too. Like it's not just all about business. I was talking to it's Shaggy about, about it. None about business. It's all about fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he said it's just a it's a great time all the way around. So. Come on out. Hang out. You can watch. I think Ben might even... He might go, too. I was trying to convince Doc of competing, because I'm pretty sure he could do it. He's a skilled pilot. He could He could make it happen. So, I think it'd be cool. Um, but that same weekend... Or weekend, sorry. Uh, is Dragonfly, June 26th through the 28th. So, if you're not competing, but you need a fun fly to go to, that is also a great uh, event. And, uh, but if you can't make it to the South and you're just really partial to Canada, there's always the Ohio Heli Throwdown, which is also through the 28th. And I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, I guess we'll include that one. Yeah. If you, if you, like I said, uh, last episode, if you don't want to hover and you actually want to fly, you can come up to Ohio <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time. That's good. I think you should save your 700 V1. Mm. I think that's Retire where you there. should like set up fireworks and a whole nine and just so getting infinity- gasoline. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And infinity like tail it. slide it. I'll Don't like do that. The FAA is watching. <laughs> <laughs> you should draw a bullseye on the ground in ranch dressing. 
<laughs> and just and make it happen. See how close you can I think, get. I think we're going to have corn this year, so oh, the, sa- right. the salad tossing is going to be uh, to a minimum. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because the corn will win. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to toss the corn, you know? Well, there's things you could do with the corn, Mike, but, uh, you you know. You can go Cobbin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, good old corn holing. Do some corn holing. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway. Gross. Terrible. Yeah. That's that's what happens the closer we We get to midnight. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. All right, yard sale. Give us your parting words. Uh, get your ass out and fly. And the new uh one is going to be Year of the Nitro. Mm, I like that. Year of the Nitro. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. It's coming <laughs> back. It is. <laughs> yeah, better. Scott, Love what you got nitro. for us? I got Gasser 2020. Yes. Because I got nothing better to do. <laughs> and hashtag share the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Get somebody involved. But don't share the germs. No, no, no Corona. No. No Keep corona. your distance. <laughs> share the fun. Hold the Corona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Social distancing, but still fun. There you go. Oh, man. Well, I will leave all of you guys with uh, I am too old for hold. Thanks for listening. (laughs) It's been episode number 16 with Kyle Stacy. Thank you for coming on, dude. We'll catch you guys next time. See ya. See ya. ya. It ain't got no virus in it. (laughs) I was waiting. (laughs) Oh, man. Shut it down. Freaking amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, no, I, I love it. Man. It's a cool truck. Well, that's why you got a bolt yeah. spot on top of your head because your T tops are gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she. I don't even remember what I did. Uh, there's not much going on in the box stuff. <laughs> so huh? You guys got something? Huh? 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 Sorry, we were too busy talking shit about uh, Kevin's new vehicle. Yes. Okay. New vehicle? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you get? I braved the COVID. You got a uh, Prius? A huh? Prius? Nice. No, even even trashier. <laughs> What's the worst <laughs> truck you can imagine? A wor- the worst truck? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, like a Ford Ranger or something? Oh, oh see? Boom. Uh, all right, all right. Not quite that trashy. What was it? We're talking Dodge. like du- double wide. A Dodge, oh Jesus! Dodge like Ram, Dodge like Ram Rebel Edition. Hope you like walking, boy. Oh man! <laughs> Apparently, it has headrests that, that have hair on it, so it looks like he has a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I have a fan going in my room right now. Is that going to be a problem? You want me to turn it off or? No, it doesn't sound like it's. Yeah, I don't hear it. Yeah. Can't yeah, as long as he doesn't say anything. <laughs>
It's oh, kind of weird. You got your fans. In is it? Is it Steve Young? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> or Frank Mardios? Text me a second. That was a good one. Uh, well played. You might hear the ice though. I got a few cocktails over here. There you nice. go. Actually, won't you guys talk for a few minutes? I'll be right back. You're such a dick. Yeah. Mm. Hang on. Uh, what the hell was it? I added a question mark in here. Oh, there it is. What is collective dynamic? Collective dynamic. Uh, I actually had to look that one up. Um, that is... It's fine. Is Kevin back yet? He's awfully quiet. He's taking a dump. Yeah, yeah. He said he was back. He's, taking, he's going to trade that dodge in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm, party's over. Yeah, no shit mm. talking. What, what they give you for it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Nope. I had to go sit in my truck and tell it it was okay that Mike and Scott they didn't mean. All <laughs> we knew you were taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were saying you went and traded it in. Oh man. I'm going to have to listen back now. Yeah. Well, are you guys ready or we still shit talking? Ready as I'll ever be. We're never going to be done shit talking. Mm. All right. All right. Well, you ready, Kyle? No, I got to go buy a Dodge. <laughs> you might want to hurry. Great. You might want to hurry. <laughs> I heard the headlights are brighter than the owners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually. Um, I had this person freaking flash their, their brights at me. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even have my brights on. It's like, what a dick. It must have been Scott Graham and his fucking M3. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, man. I'm good. Shut up. You guys have a wave? Like the Jeep wave? A Jeep wave? I haven't owned it that long. I don't know. <laughs> they hold their bush light can out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, Woo! It'll <laughs> <laughs> be a long night. Yeah, probably. That's, that's okay. That's golden. <laughs> Oh, I hate you, Kyle. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> all right, I guess let's kick this off. We ready? Just so you know, Kyle, we're about halfway through your questions, putting names on it. That's yeah. fine. You yeah. guys pick the slowest guy to do this. Ah, you're good, man. Don't worry about it. Kevin's doing it? No. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, not mentally slow. Oh. God. Jesus. Rough crowd. Yep. Right. Yep. That's Evan, how long did it take to spell your name on the paperwork for that truck? <laughs> well, luckily, I didn't have to, Scott. I handed in my driver's license, yeah. and they did that for me, you fuck. Oh, that's such a nice feature. Yeah. They must be used to people like you at those dealers. They are. Oh, Dodge, Dodge dealerships. Dodge like dealers. You, you got to yeah. put your, please, please put your fingerprints and barbecue sauce on the bottom. Oh, shit. <laughs> God. <laughs> Love you, Kevin. It doesn't come. It doesn't come with a cup holder. It comes with a spit cup. Yeah, it's got a integrated spittoon. That's this is your dip tray. Right, <laughs> you spit it and it automatically spits out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! 
Oh, you guys man. are whack. Yep. Yeah. Most dog owners are. <laughs> God. I, I'm going to be really honest with you, okay? It's 930, and you've got like friggin' 30 questions before we even get to that. Is there any way we can tighten this shit up a bit and get rid of some dead weight? This is your podcast. <laughs> we You're the one who wrote all these the questions. Calls. There goes well, all you, the dead weight. You do you want to... Do you want to <laughs> just go over some... Spoken like, like a true BMW owner. Ah, yeah, Jesus I gotta Christ, be a these guys. <laughs> Do you want to yeah. ask the TP one? I don't care. Uh, what radios have you flown most or in the past? Let's get rid of that. Who gives a shit? Kevin, you, you gotta lose the tone. You're upsetting our guest. Oh, I know. You're, you're starting to sound like Bert. Listen. You're starting to sound like Bert. It's an age thing, Kyle. You'll get there, okay? <laughs> Listen, I'm 24. You I wouldn't like understand. He's pissed because his mullet won't come off his headrest. He can't wear it around the house. <laughs> <coughs> Corona. <clears throat> <laughs> I think for the sake of Corona, you gotta not delete the coughs from the episode. <laughs> Everyone's just hacking up along. Every time someone coughs, everyone else has to say Corona. <laughs> okay, and take a shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. We do that at work. Someone coughs, <laughs> someone yells Corona. Nice. Okay, good. Alright, now it's 9.38, you dick. Okay. <laughs> Hang on, let me get my Oakley sunglasses on and get into my M3. Yeah, let me go. do what I do. Oh. Hey, calm down, you fucker. I wear Oakleys. Do you? <laughs> not like Scott's, I guarantee it. No, no these are on like an American flag Speedo and get into my Dodge. <laughs> these are the these are the Bret Hart edition Oakleys, though. <laughs> I've got the vented sunglasses, and I say, "Ooh, yeah, yeah." <laughs> you guys are fucked up. <laughs> you, you gotta say ye. I gotta, I gotta make sure my truck's still outside. Oh, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would steal that thing. Yeah, don't worry. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> it's a cheap man's raptor, you know? What can I say? <sighs> okay. Somebody might push it to the curb for you, but that's about it. <laughs> property value of the dealership just went up now that they got that piece of shit off the line <laughs> yeah all the neighbors are like thanks for devaluing my house you asshole yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god shit okay cool let's get her done um where are we at holy shit we're already an hour in okay we're saying how was brazil uh, how was brazil are we really starting off with that we gotta say how's life in florida at least hey kyle right? Yeah, Kyle, how's life in Florida? Shut up. Hang on, dick. <laughs> My name is Richard. Hanging out, drinking beers, spinning the rears. <laughs> <laughs> this is going nowhere. <laughs> I'm not hey, editing any of this out, by the way. <laughs> what do you think his empty fuel can thing sounds like when the alarm goes off? <laughs> what? Got no gas in it. Ain't got no gas. <laughs> <laughs> Mustard, biscuits. Mm. Oh, shit. 
right. Let me get one of them Bell Beefers. Bell Beefers. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck is a Bell Beefer? <laughs> oh, man. French fried taters. Mm. <laughs> Bet you wonder what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. You got a perfect <laughs> mouth. <laughs> God. <laughs> hey. So it was Scott mm. with the freaking dogs. What an a hole. That son of a bitch. Man, he ain't worth a shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't need to have him stay when Gucci gets mm. back. Mm. I like it. Him and his gas nonsense pushing Sorry, his man. heathen views on us. 